Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Aaron and Patricia. My name is Patricia. And my name is Aaron. And today on the show, we got a few anniversaries to talk about regarding about some Pixar property. It is National Native American Heritage Month. Variety predicts Oscar contenders for animated films. Nintendo announces upcoming game console that will be released in a particular year. And they also talk about the ages of the people playing the Nintendo Switch. The Bogdasarians are looking to sell the Alvin and Chipmunks franchise for $300 million dollars. There'll be no new episodes, no episodes in general of a particular show that will be airing on um, uh, Veterans Day for the first time in over 15 years. A new short on Adult Swim's YouTube channel has over 2.6 million views and is taking over social media. The creators of Molly McGee have donated to the Trevor Project after receiving 1 million views of their first episode on YouTube. Amphibia is trending on Disney+. Plus. Villainous is now available to watch in the United States due to a few things we'll talk about that nintendo was willing to make more films based off of their games but there's a catch and chris pratt once again is going to be voicing another iconic character for an upcoming movie you are listening to aaron and patricia on the 7th of november of 2021 yeah. Uh, updates on the Aramata show. I do again with apologies that uh, this constant live stream just uh, will not appear on the Aramata show uh, podcast uh, feed at the moment. Eventually it will be put up and uh, so you don't have to go to YouTube to uh, try and get it. But so uh, it's just basically we've been caught up with so much other stuff at the moment. So I uh, do apologize in that once again, you know, and uh, if it does come up, I will definitely let people know about it. But just for the meantime, um, the Aramata show is going to be continuing to uh, look to see what we can do. Maybe we're going to probably look at... Uh, me and Patricia have been talking about, you know, what the, the basically the rest of the year looks like for us. And uh, so we're aiming to see if we can try and get Dream Machine going again. I think that's something that we've talked about. And also, uh, we've also talked about potentially getting in search of the Crystal Skull uh, back on on the railroad as well. So hopefully we'll try and uh, get those sorted out. So there's some things that we're more interested in at the moment. I mean, the Aramesa show will always be there. It's not going away anytime soon. So, uh, but uh, I mean, where we go next with it, I'm still, I mean, deciding at the moment. So, uh, but uh, I will let you all know once I have an idea. So, yeah. Go on. And uh, Patricia, what's going on over the Old School Lane podcast? Well, I just posted up the episode of Casual Chats on As Told by Ginger that I had with Antoni Garcia, Ryan, and Brooke from the Nation of Animation podcast. Uh, that's doing really, really well on both Anchor and YouTube. Um, it actually gotten like four times the amount of views that in like two days that I gotten, sadly, for the interview with Avi Roque in two weeks. So nonetheless, if you are interested in checking it out, uh, it is up on both of those uh, platforms as well as many other of my podcast affiliates and i am halfway finished with editing the as told by ginger video that i said i was going to be doing uh things are going on really nicely i know that it's been a long time since i've done a video i've been really busy with school in fact uh just today i had to take my mock exit exam so getting myself prepared for what is to come when i have to take my exam so i can finally graduate uh this coming um uh, may of 2022 so yeah i've been really busy so i apologize to you guys but i hope that you will enjoy the video when it comes out it's like a but so you know hey you can't make videos if you try to graduate like (laughs) (laughs) there will be people who will be demanding it saying, oh, uh, you have this amount of time to do it. Why don't you do it? It's like that joke that, um, uh, what was it, like uh, Little Karibo did in his uh, YouTube channel where he's just trying to do his everyday routine. And there's this one guy who approaches him saying, you know, why are you doing this when you could be making more episodes? So it's like, I'm just expecting somebody who's like, well, I'm studying for an exam. Somebody's coming up to me. It's like, 
why are you studying for your exam when you could be making new videos or something? I don't know. You know, you know what? Like, I guarantee you, if your subscribers had the, uh, you know, like, uh, but shout out to all the high schoolers, by the way, who might be listening to this and uh, actually are going to be uh, doing their, uh, you know, they're actually getting the uh, things now for like their yearbooks. But like you know, yes. like they leave you know the yearbooks and stuff like that. So you have to put like a, like a twenty-four like uh, like uh, um, character comment and like mm-hmm. underneath your photos and that. And like uh, Dana Terrace obviously has Derby Gay Do Rich Craft as hers. So yes, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a that's a legendary one of that was. Uh, I guarantee you, if you gave it to your listeners, I guarantee you it would just be, just be just suggestions of like videos that uh, you know you want to do un- underneath that. So uh, yes, like uh, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily like uh, want to do, don't treat your yearbook uh, title as uh, pretty much the same way that so, you know people treat Pokemon and like remember that Pokemon thing that they did where like they just gave gave everybody like anarchy and just like tried to like complete the game. And even I was like putting in like okay, don't treat it like that. That's all. No, 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 don't. Yeah, it'd be funny, but you know, then it'd be like there for like you know the rest of your life. (laughs) Yeah, I I think there was like this um article or something where they were saying like you know most embarrassing um yearbook quotes or something, and I think one person was like quoting from Family Guy or something. I don't know. But yeah, I, I think that um, yearbook quotes, you definitely have to be careful with that. Yeah, was it? Oh my God, who the hell cares? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but uh, it was weird. But Google it. Yeah. That's, that's what I say. Google it. Sure. So, yeah, Google it. Right. But okay. yes, um, as for um, anything else coming up for Old School Lane, I do have some plans of doing another presentation for Offbeat Kiki's um, Cartoon Community PowerPoint Night. So as you guys know, um, last time I did one for the, um, what you call it, um, yeah, how uh, um, important um, Slice of Life animation is. And so, yeah, I'm planning on doing it again. Uh, as for when it's going to be happening, it should be this winter, I think. So, yeah, I'm still working out the kinks of doing that. Uh, like I said, I wanted to do one on um, the history of Rankin Bass. So, yeah, I, I hopefully when Offbeat Kiki makes the announcement, I will definitely let you guys know so you can be able to tune into the live stream. Yeah. Okay, uh, I mean, there was one thing that um, you, me and Patricia, uh, we were going to go into the show with what was going on, but then we just came across something which was like just really strange. And by the way, this all started off when I follow Big Bird on Twitter, by the way, and mm-hmm. like, because you, know, yeah. you know, Big Bird. And uh, yeah, so, Big Bird, yeah, exactly. of course. So um, he put out a tweet, and or at least Sesame Street put out a tweet, I guess you could say, and saying yeah. that, uh, you know, the, uh, oh, he got the vaccine. Which yes. uh, is, uh, you know, would be something I thought, you know, Big Bird obviously would do, I think, as uh, someone who is a public service figure in a way, I guess, and uh, someone who uh, teaches you how to count to 20, uh, and uh, no further than yeah. that, unfortunately. I think you have to uh, pay, the, pay the premium amount, I think, to, on the HP to, to, uh, to, to, get up to, to see what happens after 20, but, uh, uh, but no, all seriousness. Um, one retweet just caught our eye which was apparently ted cruz the senator for texas i believe you know like yes. uh, yeah the guy who was famous for like taking a holiday in cancun while uh, his, uh, i remember, uh, his, uh, I remember yeah, his that, state yes. was falling apart so yes. he, he tweets in saying that uh, oh this is propaganda for children and i'm just sitting yes. there like um ted i don't know if you've missed out in the like the last 50 years but big bird has always been pro-vaccine 
Like yes. uh, in 1972, he even did a segment on be- on being pro-vaccine. For I can't remember exactly actually which one it was, but you know, no, the- knowing knowing the context of it, it probably would have been for many things. It probably would have been for polio. It might have been for measles or something. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it definitely would have been like it wouldn't definitely been like anything for like uh, HIV or AIDS or anything like that. That was like the AIDS epidemic was like that the, was 80s, the 80s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you know, regardless of that, like this is a position that Big Bird has held since 1972. It's nearly a 50 year old thing he's never budged on as far yeah, as I'm exactly concerned. and and oh and by the way there have been complaints about this before because uh muppet history on twitter had just posted a angry letter from somebody saying that sesame street was leaning over towards communism when that episode of big bird seen all the children lining up to get their vaccines happening so oh yeah this God. isn't this isn't new unfortunately yeah NPR like, I, I saw, I saw to... something i didn't like on the television it's got to be communism it's like you know it's uh, <laughs> nothing to do with uh you know and here's a bunch of adverts you know to uh, sell you all the capitalist things you know like uh, good grief guys get a grip you know, yeah, NPR that- even had to mention about, you know, the years about how, um, you uh, what was it, like uh, vaccines were always uh, seen as like propaganda and how, you know, people would always be protesting. What, I mean, the, uh, there was I even mean, one Robot Chicken ha- even did like, I mean, I think it was like the bird flu pandemic. I think yeah, pandemic, that's, like, yeah, yeah like, the avian uh, flu, uh, yes. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Robot Chicken even did a, a segment on it about like, you know, like how, you know, SSME Street has been, pro- has been pro-vaccine for a very long time. Like, it has been, yes. And, and it's not going to change its position because, you know, Ted Cruz wants it to. You know, <laughs> so it's like it's... Uh... Uh, as far as I, as far as Ted goes, like you know, I think he should spend less time like arguing with with the Muppet characters, and I think more time trying to like you know do his try and do his job. job. <laughs> you know, it's just it's, it's, yeah, it, it flies in the face. Every hardworking American, I guarantee you, work working you know, and also listening to the podcast at the same time, I guarantee you, I'm really surprised none of them are turning around and saying, you know, hey, um, here I am busting my ass, you know, for this uh, job that I'm probably not even getting you know living wage for, and here's Ted Cruz, you know, having an argument with the Muppets, and he's getting like you know how much money. To do that, like it's mm. just—it uh, it makes it makes a mockery of the American system. I just have to yeah. say, I, I know it's rich me saying that as a Brit, but you know, like uh, it just—it's um, it, these people don't live in the real world, as far as I'm concerned. You know, these uh, Ted Crew. And by the way, I think I'm probably going back into what the Aramaic show should be, but uh, you know, that's uh, that's how I feel about it. And yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, that that was just something that we wanted to bring up because we know a lot of people are going to be asking us about do, our do, thoughts. I, on this, this reminds me actually. You know, a couple of years ago, there was a campaign to have Big Bird run for president. I remember, yes. Exactly, and then, yeah. You remember also the time in which when Mitt Romney said that he was going to be cutting off PBS funds and he said, oh, you know, don't get me wrong. I like PBS and I like Bidberg. And then there was like every single comedian and every single talk show host were making jokes about this to the point in which that SNL brought Big Bird over and they were talking and then Mitt Romney lost to Barack Obama and then well, that whole thing happened. I, I even think even after the, even with the Big Bird debacle, I think, uh, you know, it's where Mitt Romney was pretty much dead in the water anyway. So, yeah, but like, the point is, is that everybody loves Big Bird. You do not make fun of Big Bird. Exactly. Come like, on. Like, yeah, that, like, that's a, yeah, do you know what? Do you know what should happen? Like, you know, in 2022 and 2024, they should, you know, the, the Democrats should just try and get Big Bird to campaign for them. I guarantee you, probably <laughs> will be. You know, you know, seriously, like, uh, I even would uh, go as far as saying, like, you know, they've already got Dwayne Johnson pretty much uh, doing, doing stuff for them now. Like, uh, Dwayne Johnson was a Republican, by the way. Like, uh, yeah. he used to be, he, he, he spoke at the Republican National Convention in 2004, and now he's, here he is batting for the Democrats. 
So like uh, yeah. there's uh, you know all the all the um, people that seem to be like in the good graces seem to be kind of leaning blue at the moment in regards to that. Like uh, I mean, well, 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 the Republicans are going to big, but with Clint Eastwood, I mean, like you know, just come, <laughs> come on. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, anyway, that's good I, I, I think enough politics. I think uh, basically for now, I think uh, they ca- they came here to listen to us. You know, talk about stuff we used to grow up with, and now we ha- right, and, right. and grumble about how terrible it is now. But. <laughs> I think that, okay, I, well, we're not we're not that cynical. No, we're not. But uh, well, let's get through the first few segments and let's see where we are. But uh, I, I mean, seriously, just just to close this off, like I mean, what's Ted Cruz going to complain, complain about next? Like you know, oh, Smokey Bear wanted to put out those forest fires. This is the future liberals want. You know, it's just it's. Uh, uh, Cop twenty six. This is what's going to happen. It's all propaganda. The environment is fine. Uh, it's like. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on to the, the show that we actually plan to do. Well, yeah, okay, exactly. Let's that, move yeah. on. Okay. Yes. Then. So, right, sorry. Go on. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say. So, Monsters Inc. celebrating twenty years. Wow. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, so we've covered this already on Pix Mix. Uh, you know, yes. when Monsters Incorporated, uh, came to be a thing, and uh, one of the revolutionary um CGI uh, sh- uh films. Uh, to come out because this was the first time I think they actually had to experiment with fur and how it yes. kind of fluidly moved. And uh, for those of you, actually, this is one thing actually I wanted. I don't think if we ever discussed about this or not. I'm not sure, but uh, there is in the two disc DVD uh, edition that uh, I originally got. So there's actually in the making. It shows you like the painful um, things that they had to do to get the computer to learn about the way that uh, Sully's fur actually was generated. So um, there's actually a clip of them playing, and they play this multiple times to try and get the the computer to learn how the fur actually works on right. Sully's body. So uh, this was, uh, it was, it was probably the hardest thing they probably had to do since having to do Violet's hair in The Incredibles. By the way, we're yeah. going to talk about that right, right in the next segment. But uh, um, so you know, John Goodman and uh, Billy Crystal, I think, uh, was a co- com- comedy duo that uh, we never knew we wanted. And uh, yeah, and it, it almost <laughs> didn't happen, if you remember, because Billy Crystal, you know, was called in to do Buzz Lightyear, but he refused because he thought it wasn't the right part for him. And even though he states that it was the biggest regret of his career, I think in a way it was kind of a blessing in disguise because can you imagine Billy Crystal being Buzz Lightyear? No, really, no. Like, uh, it was uh, it was hard enough, I think, because who was the original uh, voice actor for Woody? Like, I don't... Or, or um, well, something- I mean... Unless well, I'm mixing the... up films here, because I'm, I'm no, 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 I think I'm thinking of Shrek. You know, like the original. Yeah, you are thinking, you are yeah. thinking of Shrek. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, Tom Hanks was always called in to be uh, Woody, even though that they wanted um, somebody else to be Woody, they couldn't afford it, so they they always wanted Tom Hanks to be Woody. But anyway, so yes, as for um, um, Billy Crystal, I think that that was a great uh, call in for him to do Mike Wazowski, and he and John Goodman were like. And, you know, they had, like, this great chemistry together. And well, another I think reason that- why it never, nearly never happened is because in the original concept, I think uh, Mike Wazowski, I don't think, was uh, an original character in that. I think it was only, like, you're supposed to be, like, Sully and Mary, I think, were supposed to be kind of, like, the two people who were, like, in the original, in the original like, scripts of the uh, of Monsters Incorporated before, obviously, it got jiggled up as, as, as films are. So yeah. like uh, it was uh, so originally it was going to be John Budman who's going to be and it was going to be um, I think another female actress I can't remember I can't remember the top of it top of my name who it was going to be it wasn't going to be the kid it was going to be like you know that but actually, that's another thing actually on that as well is that uh, 
Uh, yeah, so Billy Crystal wasn't nearly in the in, in the scene, but also they brought in uh, this very young actress who, or actress, I guess we could say, it was uh, uh, a, a figure three year old. I think like they followed around with a microphone and uh, yes, like, uh, and over. that is Mary Gibbs, who was the daughter of one of the Pixar artists and animators. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, has never had another voice actress credit to her name since then. No. Nope. Wow. Uh, now she is a yoga instructor. Yeah, so like, I don't remember, like, because the last occasion I remember that, I think, was, uh, I remember Rusty Flood from Hey Arnold, and also he played other, like, kids, very small child uh, roles, I think, for yeah. uh, Nickelodeon shows. I don't know if he went on to be a voice actor for anything else after that. I don't know. And uh, I mean, uh, usually a lot of these kid actors, they either do other things. They're either musicians or they um, they leave the industry altogether. Yeah. So like, yeah, they. I think the younger they seem to get in, the, the, the sooner they seem to get out. From the looks of it, I think. I mean, yeah. th usually that happens because you know they need to focus on going to school. Because when you're an actor, you dedicate a balance between you know reading your scripts while at the same time you're being um, tutored by a private teacher. And sometimes you would get home late at night, and you know, obviously with child labor laws, you need to be able to get home at a certain time without being overworked too much. But sometimes there's also cases in which they just want to have normal lives, interacting with friends and doing activities, but they can't because, oh, you know, they, they need to go to this audition. So yeah, but I, I remember like, well, keep in mind, like uh, you and I know some very long-term people who ended the first sort of the Nickelodeon fold and then stuck with it. So like, you know, Justin Shankaro is obviously one of those people. And also Annie yeah. McAfee is another person. Uh, Olivia Hack is uh, another person who still is in voice, in voice work today. So um, there are some people who have stood the test of time and, you know, obviously, stuck around for, and uh, yeah you know, and they and they're child actors if you remember exactly, so yeah, yeah I, I guess i guess it depends i guess it depends on how um how passionate they are on this and if they're willing to you know go through the usual um you know tutoring and missing out on things so that they can be able to get themselves a career so you know some people can do it others can't and that's okay yeah so, uh, anyway, going back to Monsters, Inc., because we, we, we shot off right off there just before. But uh, the, the last time that I saw Mary Gibbs uh, was, I think that there was an announcement that she was going to be at uh, a convention in Florida where I was going to at the time. I wasn't able to go because, um, you know, a family emergency happened, but she was going to go over there to do a Q&A session discussing about, like, her time in Monsters, Inc. and, you know, the, you know, her and her dad and all the memories that they had together on on working on the movie and you know she always gets like uh you know talks about how you know is there going to be a sequel and are you going to be in it and said that kind of stuff so um you know she I, I think that maybe back then that could have been the case but i'm not sure now considering on where the direction that monsters inc is going and unfortunately her father did pass away i think what was it last year or something yeah i, th I think it was something along those lines yeah so yeah, I mean, the, the we'll we'll go into Monsters University and Monsters at Work in just a moment, but yeah, as for like seeing Boo make another appearance, that's probably not going to happen, which is which is a shame because that was one of the things that we actually wanted to see happen in the Monsters Inc. sequels. Yeah. By the way, uh, shout out to actually John Goodman because not only did he do um, the voice for uh, you know Monsters Incorporated, he actually also did the voice for uh, Mike's New Car, which obviously is a short, and also did his view of the other shorts as well, and also yeah. he was uh, in the Monsters Inc. Uh, Scream Arena video game too so he also did like uh, the uh, the video games 
Yeah, so. and um, Billy Crystal, I don't think, did the video games. I think they got Carlos Ellis Rocky, uh, who you might know as the voice of Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life and Mr. Crocker from Fairly Odd Parents. I think he is the one who did the um, Mike Rosowski roles whenever they have like Monsters Inc. video games and Kingdom Hearts and stuff like that. You no, know, I really think about it. I think Rocco wouldn't actually be too lost in the monster world, would you? Um, uh, possibly, yeah. I mean, his modern life will get a lot scarier. I tell you that, but uh, yeah, it, it'll be just like the time in which Heifer, when he ate, uh, you know, the chicken from the Chokey Chicken, and he got his um, throat caught up in the rib, and he ended up going to heck, meeting up with the devil Peaches. Yeah. So, uh, it's hilarious that they called him Peaches, actually. It's like, yes, it's like, I know. It's a funny name. Yeah. Anyway, but um, I think that the reason why a lot of people really love Monsters, Inc. when it first came out. I mean, this was like, what was it? Their, their fourth movie because you had... Well, there's other uh, something as well. Like, I mean, I was trying to remember with John Goodman. Like, where was his career at that point? Because I think... He must have been... Was... I think he was doing Roseanne, uh, Coyote Ugly and um oh yeah he was he's doing the emperor's new groove as well he was uh, yes emperor's new groove that's right yes yeah because i remember like uh you know john i tell you to be fair john goodman i think at that time because i remember he came off like a really bad patch like uh one point and then all of a sudden like you know he you know he came monsters inc and it was like oh wait hey you know like well no 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 i mean i think around that time i think he did go through a rough patch right and you know he was i think what was it like he had a career stalt or something and then afterwards i think he did like uh, big I was say this, uh, King Ralph didn't do him any favors. I'll tell you that. Nah, like, uh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, Big Wazowski, he was in Coyote Ugly, he was in. Then eventually, Emperor's New Groove and Monsters Inc. were the ones that really just picked up his career around the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, other um, notes on uh, Monsters Incorporated. I mean, like, uh, the, it's a bit in Kingdom Hearts, I believe, has it? Or, yes, it, yeah. is in, it is in Kingdom Hearts 3. Mm-hmm. And also, where uh, it's one of the most renowned. Uh, in fact, I think it's uh, in our picks, like top five picks, best Pixar films. I think it ended up being at number three. I think it was. I think uh, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it, was Monster, it, it was Monsters Inc. and it was uh, Toy Story two, and then it was Toy Story. And uh, yes, yeah. So um, yeah, all I gotta say is that uh, you know, for Monsters Inc., uh, it's uh, one of the one of the classic uh, you know Pixar films. So definitely go pick it up. If you yeah, have a chance to do so. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, you know, because it became such a big thing, we had Monsters University that came out about a decade later. And we already know about the story for those who are interested in listening to our picks mix stuff, but you know, for a quick little refresher um you remember that disney wanted to make a second division where they would just release direct-to-video movies on pixar films and oh, yeah like uh, the, i believe you went through like uh, some of those uh, direct-to-dvd you know sequels yourself i think uh, for uh, for disney i believe I, so, yeah, yes, it, I did. Yeah. I talked I, I talked about it briefly, but I didn't go that much in depth on the Pixar stuff. I went over the Disney stuff, but not the Pixar stuff. So there were three ideas that were being played around with. There was Finding Nemo 2, there was Toy Story 3, and there was Monsters, Inc. 2. And the only thing that we know about Monsters, Inc. 2 was that it was Mike and Sully trying to put the door together and... Um, you know, so they can be able to reunite with Boo and then like a tragic thing happens. Uh, I, I don't really know that much into the story. I think somebody on YouTube did that. So you can go search Monsters, Inc. to um, story and you'll be able to find it. But yeah, I mean, they were going in a completely different direction on what what end up with, um, you know, what the final product would be, which was Monsters University, which was their prequel. And then afterwards, we got Monsters at Work about another 10 years after Monsters University. And that's their, you know, the first 
CG Pixar animated series in over 20 years since Buzz Lightyear Star Command. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, uh, with Monsters Incorporated, like, you know, the the first film is uh, really admired, but then, like, it really, I mean, they have really botched um, the Monsters Inc. series, in my opinion. I think uh, they've gone in directions that uh, nobody wanted them to go in. I mean, the fans, for a long time, have always demanded a sequel. Not like, yes. you know, a, a prequel or a midquel or like you know you know even a t- even a TV series like you know they just wanted like a second movie where they wanted to see what happened with Mary you know after uh, you know the events of uh, you know the first movie you know yeah. and uh, the fact that or boo if you will like I, I keep calling him Mary for some strange reason I don't know why the reason why but, is because the the actress is Mary Gibbs I, I also like she was called Mary I think at one point in the in the production. So I'm sure that she was. Yeah. I mean, considering that it was the child. So, yeah. yeah. So um, you know, but uh, they just really have wrong-footed pretty much the entire time with Monsters Inc. In my opinion, like uh, the fir- the first movie, obviously, is a classic. It always will be. But uh, but in regards to like you know, we're not going to be looking back at Monsters at Work anytime soon. I don't think, even though there's going to be a second series. And also, you know, in regards to Monsters University, like you know, th- that created a lot of continuity errors. And you know, it's just it's uh, a movie that really was at very painfully average at best. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, I mean, the, the I mean, there's people who said like who've debated us saying like you know there's a heartwarming message at the end of it, but like yeah, that, that's that's kind of like a Pixar tradition pretty much at this point. Every Pixar movie has like a heart has a heartfelt thing at the end. You know, they they always do. Like you know, that's what makes Pixar so special. But um, uh, at the same time, like you can't say that Monsters University was lived up at any point to Monsters Incorporated. Uh, you know, yeah. like uh, I, I think we can de- safely say that at this point yeah sure i mean monsters inc will always still have a legacy i mean it was the first out of the pixar movies that um was nominated for an oscar for best animated feature back then when it was brand new so even though it lost to shrek uh monsters inc is still like a major contender for like what many people consider to be like the best of the pixar films well let's be honest you know like uh shrek was a phenomenon you know, and uh, it still is to this day. Uh, you know, you say Shrek to somebody, and they're supposedly, you know, probably like the most jaded person knows what it is. You know, yeah. like they'll either see the movies, they'll either see the cartoons, they'll either see the shorts, or they'll either see the memes on, you know, on social media. Like, <laughs> you know, so, so, someone somewhere definitely, if you say Shrek in front of them, they definitely know what you're talking about. Right, right, so, right. Yeah. But yeah, I think that uh, another thing that we have to mention is that this was the first of the uh, Pixar films that was directed by Pete Doctor, and Pete Doctor is hugely influential and a huge contribution to a lot of the Pixar films that we would know of. He was responsible for directing Monsters Inc. Up, and then eventually he did uh, Soul, and so yeah, and I think that the the stuff that he was able to do. I mean, he has his own different flavor of what you know the John Lasseters or the um, Andrew Stantons or the um, uh, you know like um, what was it uh, the other people uh, Lee Unrich uh, and Brad Bird. Who we'll, we'll get to in just a moment. They, you know, they all have their different styles and. Uh, you know, Pete Doctors is definitely like a lot of world building, a lot of emotion and just taking you into, a, you know, a different world and, you know, pulling your heartstrings. I mean, you have the relationship with Sully and Boo and Monsters, Inc. You have uh, Riley with Inside Out. You have the relationship with, with Carl and Ellie and Up. And then eventually you have Joe with um, Soul. And so I think that 
you know, Pete Doctor was able to hit a high note when he first started and he just continued on since then. And, you know, now he's the COO of Pixar. You know, he's the one who's in, in charge of the whole company. Exactly. So I think, uh, you know, Monsters, Inc. has done a lot of good for a lot of people. I think we definitely yeah. say that. And so, um, and, you know, and also with Pete Doctor as well, Mac, you know, he's at the top now of, uh, of Pixar at this point. Yes. So, like, uh, he's running the day-to-day pretty much in regards to how Pixar is operating. But, uh, you know, I think uh, it leads an incredible legacy even 20 years onwards. And uh, But unfortunately, you know, in regards to the series itself, well, I think... Uh, wait, wait for the next series of uh, Monsters at Work to come out and uh, we'll tell you at the end of that exactly what we think of it. So, exactly, okay. and yeah. Why they should just be doing another... Just do a sequel to Monsters, Inc. And just, <laughs> just do that. You know? <laughs> anyway, um, shall we move on to uh, the next... Uh, Pixar uh, anniversary. Yes. So the next one is the 17th anniversary of The Incredibles. Yeah. And what an incredible film it is. To say yeah. It's, it's, I think that, what was it? Like, it was like number three or number two in our top Pixar films, was it? Yeah. Like, I, I want, by the way, this is one of the films where I actually like the first trailer. You know, like, and we, we didn't really get an idea, they didn't really have an idea of, like, what The Incredibles was, like, as of yet, but uh, they had an idea of, like, they wanted someone who obviously was a superhero, but has now long left that uh, whole era, and uh, then is basically called upon again to obviously dawn the uh, the spandex and uh, to, uh, you know, go out there and, uh, you know, save the world again. So, that there was that idea of a movie, which uh, I don't think, I mean, back when, I mean, I'm trying to think because you know Batman Beyond I think was um was a, was a thing at that time so it was obviously showing you know uh, uh, there was this era of like you know superheroes of that time obviously you know moving on to the next generation so there was that yeah. type of thing that was uh, kind of playing on but I think um Pixar was obviously conscious of that as well but they didn't want to do it with, like you know existing property they always wanted to do it with their own their own hero pretty much and uh, but then obviously the story evolved as as it went along but the reason why i bring that up is because um they didn't exactly know what it was going to be yet but they decided to do like an original trailer so they did the, the whole skit with like uh, mr incredible trying to do his like belt buckle on his uh, on his suit when he was suiting up and uh, you know like uh, i really like it when movies do that like they give you like original content to go with you know, to uh, to go in with like you, know, uh, Deadpool did that with like uh, their trailer where they showed you like uh, you know the uh, pretty much the uh, the uh, again like you know we've already seen it like in the test footage like you know him saying you know like, oh hey I'm Deadpool and you know hi Tom and things like that like we already saw <laughs> that at the very beginning but I-, I like it when movies do that where they give you original content to work with to start off with and not actually like parts of the movie and uh, they start off with that and get you all excited over that. Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't like it because, don't you get the feeling like in trailers today, like, they just basically put in all the good stuff that you're going to see already, and uh, you, once you walk in and you see, you've already seen all that stuff in the trailer, like, it already takes away from the experience. And not to mention that there are multiple trailers. You have the teaser trailer, you have trailer number one, you have trailer number two, you have the final trailer. So yeah, they're going to give you all of this information. And then by the time that you're watching it, it's like, okay, I'm waiting for this clip. I'm waiting for that clip. I already know what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I guess, well, you, you know, here's so the thing. I think that. We- you, have, like, you have the trailer number one, your trailer number two, you have the special preview. We have like, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, guy in the hot dog stand trailer, like, you know, like, uh, just like, <laughs> oh, is there like the movie for like three seconds? He's got to have his own trailer now 
now. You know, it's just, it's, uh, there's, uh, yeah, like, uh, they punch everything at you. And, like, and I think social media, in a way, has made it worse because, obviously, you know, they do tons of variations of trailers that all, like, work through the algorithms and, like, they will go towards a particular person who wants to, you know, who's in that, like, in in that space, if you will. So, like, yeah, you know, you get exactly. You get to them seeing kind of like, I bet you one of these days will basically end up with, like, you know, a bunch of trailers that you can just easily stick together and that's the movie. You know, <laughs> like, and then you, like, uh, you wouldn't need to do any, you wouldn't even need to go to the theatre at that point. Mm. You know, it's like, it's, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we get to that point. But uh, the, the one thing I do like about The Incredibles is that we actually ended up with an original setup to start off with. And yeah. uh, that got us excited for The Incredibles. And then we got the movie itself, and uh, obviously went through various uh, designs. And uh, I do believe, by the way, this was when Brad Bird walked in, I believe. Yes. And so Brad Bird, by the way, you know, uh, Brad Bird, incredible influence on, uh, you know, on Pixar. He did The Incredibles. He turned Ratatouille around, by the way, and Ratatouille went through production hell before he walked in and cleaned that whole mess up. Like, you mm -hmm. know, Brad Bird is one of those guys who I do have a lot of admiration for. I think as yeah. a great, as a creative genius, and so yeah. I, I mean, I think that um, if you watch the commentaries and you watch the behind the scenes stuff on The Incredibles on DVD, where you know he and some of the writers and people were like having major disagreements of how the movie was going to end up being, I think that you know Brad Bird was saying about like, yeah, we should have this scene because it'll make things great. He was always about a person's um, you know vision in terms of like, I want to make this into the best thing possible, and you know he, at the time he was you know known for doing The Simpsons. He was known for doing Family Dog. And before then, he had just did Iron Giants, which back then was a major bomb in the box office. It was one of the films that was kind of like the downfall of Warner Brothers animation in terms of their theatrical films. And so, well, you know, that was we the know later on it became a cult classic. Exactly. So. Yeah. So by by then, you know, he got you know the opportunity to work on The Incredibles and he was able to take it into like this very interesting 50s, 60s art deco style. And he was able to, you know, give the sense of like a superhero family, which we didn't really see a superhero family done since the Fantastic Four. So he was able to take it into a direction that not a lot of people were seeing and also it had this sense of a direction that was definitely not only leaning more towards children, but leaning more towards adults. And that's not to say that the previous Pixar films didn't do that, but it was definitely going in a direction that was very different from what you would see in a Pixar film at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the other shout outs just to, to Robert, by the way, he did. He also was on the senior creative team for Wally Up, Toy Story 3, Cars 2, uh, unfortunately, uh, Brave, and also Monsters University, Inside Out, uh, The Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, Cars 3, Coco, uh, The Incredibles 2, and Toy Story 4. And uh, yeah, so he's uh, been a mainstay for um, Pixar up until then. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, interestingly enough, like, he seems to have teetered off since uh, 2020, so he doesn't need to have done much since then. I mean, but, uh, unfortunately, Tomorrowland, which was the movie that he did, bombed badly in the box office, so, yeah. yeah. But, you know, he's still a creative mind, like, you know, if, if I was uh, doing a, if, if I was doing a uh, cartoon and, uh, like, an animated movie and, like, you know, Brad Bird walks through the door, I'd feel pretty confident. So, you know. Like, sure. Um, yeah. But, uh, in regards to, uh, you know, in regards to his, uh, great creation which i believe is the incredibles uh yeah i mean but this is the thing about this like um this was basically taking superheroes and giving them another look like uh, this is before you know we like we got like the whole like you know comedic kind of like you know skits that we get in like you know the the marvel cinematic universe now 
in the MCU, and uh, we see another side of like our uh, our uh, you know superhero characters. You know, they they Incredibles start, I believe, in a way, started all this off. You know, like you know, seeing you know, you see Elastigirl as like you know housewife. You see like the you know uh, the you know, see Dash and uh, Violet, obviously as you know kids at school, and you know obviously you know just, you know being just growing up in this uh, in this different world, and uh, and also uh, we ended up in a situation where um, superheroes really had to bear some big responsibility because obviously mm-hmm. there were now lawsuits going on saying that you know there's people who didn't want to be saved by superheroes. Surprisingly, yeah, exactly. I mean, we we don't get like an argument like this until like Avengers um, Civil War, in which like there was a whole debate about like after the Avengers, you know, that all of this damage that happened when Loki was attacking New York City. It's like, you know, which side are you going to go on? Are you going to go on to the side in which we're going to, you know, keep things at peace or we're going to have to have the whole battle thing? So that was the, the whole uh, Captain America versus Iron Man thing happened. And then there was even like that debate about uh, the destruction of the city with Batman versus Superman where you had uh, Bruce Wayne coming into Metropolis and seeing the destruction and, you know, seeing Superman as a threat. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like playing with all that even before. Yeah, on top of that as well, like, if you remember, like, before uh, Suicide Squad, you know, Amanda Waller was the um, person who, uh, you know, was taking issue with, like, superheroes kind of like, you know, having a giant laser above, above the world in, like, Injustice League. So, right, like, right. you know, there was, um, you know, that, that whole, there was that whole thing as well. Like, this whole, you know, uh, more, you know, debate about like where superheroes actually stood in society. That yeah, kind of I mean, it used to be the case in which like the police were just so useless that you needed superheroes, and so. But here's the thing. It's like, you know, superheroes did cause like millions upon millions of dollars in damage. It's like, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, are you going to take down the robber who only stole like maybe two, three hundred dollars at the bank and then cause like thousands upon thousands of dollars of damage if you're trying to stop them with your laser vision by shooting in the streets and, you know, maybe like crashing some windows and maybe injuring people? My idea of the superhero and I mean, I know this was like harking back to like, you know, Superman would like, you know, carry a car and uh, you know like and uh, would uh, you know uh, you know, do like you know basic you know c- crime fighting and things like and that fly so, through rings fly through rings and pick up cars oh my god <laughs> why bring that up but uh, um yeah like uh the you know the whole basic of like you know yesteryear kind of golden age you know comic books and things like that obviously they were like you know just doing like you know be beating up common crooks and things like that but you know the back in the 90s you know the, the superheroes that we got behind they weren't fighting like common criminals in a way they were fighting super villains you know like in batman the animated series and and you know i I guess you could say this harks back to like you know the comic books obviously they do but you know like he was fighting people like the penguin like you know who's like kind of like this mutant kind of like you know human kind of like thing that was in like in a suit and stuff like that yeah. and then you had like the joker who was like you know this insane you know crazy psychopath who were like mm-hmm. uh, we're just doing stuff because he thought it was funny and uh, then you had the riddler who obviously was doing you know basically doing crazy shit and putting riddles and like things like that like they had like they took villains who they know cannot be defeated by the police and that's the really gave the superheroes purpose, I think, in, in that. And so those were the type, you know, the, the supervillains who could not be taken down by common means, and basically it took a mass vigilante to go out and basically capture them and you know bring them to justice and stuff like that. Like those were the superheroes that we kind of grew up with, and so that's what gave for us superheroes purpose in yeah. that. So, um, so I guess you know what Incredibles was kind of aiming at. I think in regards to like you know banning superheroes is because all they were doing was basically just fighting common criminals and like you know that was causing all sorts of you know chaos and things like that. You know, amongst that and like you say, oh, why do we need these when we got the police already and things like that? So there was a, um, 
I guess you could say there was a push, I think, against... Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting, actually, the police in The Incredibles, because it looked like they are fairly competent, but it doesn't look like they can handle every single situation. I mean, like you, you, how do you handle a situation like Bomb Voyage or The Underminer? I don't know. Like, that's, that's a great... That's, 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 that's another thing that's kind of like a bit of a plot hole, I guess you could say, in The uh, Incredibles, is that, you know, just because they banned the superheroes doesn't mean that the supervillains went away. Like, how did they deal with them? You know... That's actually a really good question. Yeah. I'm actually trying to think about it because how did they do that? I mean, if, if superheroes were banned, does that mean that the police had to be really, really, really good? I have no idea. Like, uh, it would be interesting if, like, you know, maybe they could probably do, like, an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. situation where it's kind of like, you know, uh, they have, like, a spinoff of, like, oh, here's what the police did when, you know, the, the superheroes all were banned. Like, you know, this is what they had to do to take on the supervillains. I, I want to see that in Disney+. Plus. That actually would be good, actually, to see. I mean, think about it. Kind of like um, a crime drama mixed in with like police action with, you know, super villains. Like we, we see Bon Voyage, we see the Underminer and we see maybe other villains that probably would have been, you know, put into like Incredibles 2 if, you know, we didn't get Incredibles 2. Also, which can we'll talk can about you imagine later. like, you know, I can imagine like in that show if they did do that. So, I mean, like a, kind of like a Jurassic Park, uh, you know, um, um, you know, situation where, you know, like uh, they're like debating like, you know, is it moral to like have like dinosaurs like in in a, in, a, in a park and stuff like that, you know, like you stood on the shoulders of all the people and before you knew what you had, you know, you packaged it, patented it and like, you know, slapped it on a lunchbox and now you're selling it. You know, maybe the police like themselves could be having that debate like, you know, oh, we banned superheroes but now look what's happening. You know, supervillains are all running amok and uh, there's nothing we can do about it but like, you know, and they say, oh, well, then maybe it's downtime to bring them back and then they could be saying like, well, if we when we had them already, they were causing all this damage and causing all this chaos and if anything, we had more supervillains because of it. You know, like, uh, if, uh, so, um, I could imagine this, like, this whole moral debate that could be going on during the show between all the police officers. Like, there's be those who are saying that I missed the days that the superheroes were here to help us out and not because of that, because they were, they were kind of my heroes. And then you have these other police officers kind of saying, well, they caused all this chaos and they, you know, we couldn't do anything about it. We do have the means to deal with them and this is what we can do. You know, like, yeah. uh, so I, if there's this whole debate that goes on within the show, I think, tell you what, actually, uh, that would be a good, you know, way to do an episodic show. Like, have a whole narrative that kind of goes on episode upon episode upon episode. It doesn't necessarily have to progress. It could just be an ongoing debate amongst, like, all the characters saying, you know, this is where we are now. You know, yeah, and, exactly. Uh, that, and, and you have a long stretch from between when Mr. Incredible was sued by that guy, you know, because he was wanted to commit suicide, but he couldn't. And then going over to when finally we have Syndrome coming in and releasing his robot so that it can be able to destroy the town. You have 15 years. That was how long it took between them. And I think that if we had a show like that, it could be a possibility and also maybe the discussions about like the superheroes becoming missing because syndrome is inviting them over to do experiments on his robot and so we can get information about like all the superheroes that have gone missing and maybe the, the police were trying to find them so that maybe they can get some additional help but they're gone yeah you know that's, half of them that's are another missing. thing as well like you know gazer beam keeping in mind like you know he was like the guy who was advocating for superheroes to come back so likelihood is like they could show like how he was trying to do it all and then after that like he mysteriously disappears after that, like, you know, they could do that whole story, too. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's plenty of stuff they can do with The Incredibles still. And uh, mind you, like, uh, I know The Incredibles 2 wasn't as great as the first Incredibles movie. I still think it's I still think it's a fun movie. I still enjoy it. I, I actually enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. other than the strobing, in, you know, scene that a lot of people were complaining about, with the yeah. strobing lights. And a lot of people felt that the villain was kind of weak. 
compared to Syndrome. But other I than that... Admit, I-, I was expecting the, you know, uh, Screen Slaver to uh, be a bit more, you know... Um, I-, I was expecting a bit more from this from this villain, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, okay. and also the fact that the Underminer, you know, thing was, like, played off in, like, the first three minutes of the movie when they expected it to be longer. To be fair, like, well, he had a whole game, keep in mind. Like, you know, there was the Revenge of the Underminer, keep in mind. Is that even uh, canon? Um... Good question, actually. I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, that's obviously one thing I was going to... I think it's, I'm sure that's something I did say in The Incredibles too. Like, you know, it did kind of wreck the continuity of, uh, you know, uh, the Underminer game for the GameCube. So I think uh, maybe that's, you know, uh, maybe it might hold some weight. Maybe I don't know. But, um, you know, in, in, putting that aside, I mean, like, uh, you know, even if you didn't have the game, I mean, the Underminer was only like like the first, like the last minute and a half of the movie. So, exactly. like, uh, yeah, and it, so it like, took like almost the last minute and a half, two minutes to finish it off. Yeah, as, as to be fair, like, it was just, it was, uh, it was, you know, the bringing in the Underminer, I think, was just a way to kind of reintroduce the characters, if you will. So, like, it was just like, hey, this is what, you know, the Incredibles are. This is what they do now. And, uh, you know, they're still banned. So, like, uh, yeah, we still got to, like, do this whole, like, you know, got to, you know, get them back and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. It was interesting that uh, Elastigirl was the main focus of the Incredibles 2. I'm not to say I that actually like that. I uh, really yeah. did like that. Yeah. It makes you interesting because, like, you know, are they, if they are going to do future Incredibles movies, like, you know, are they going to shift the focus over to Violet next? Are they going to shift the focus over to Dash next? Like, you know, kind of like... Well, I mean, either that or, remember, there was also a slew of other superheroes that were able to show off their power. So maybe they'll focus on them and maybe mm. they'll take a break from the Parfum. Maybe. Like, uh, I mean, i got to be honest, like, I would like to see a coming of age story of uh, Violet you know like you know she's like she's gone through so much in her life you know like you know being kind of like uh, you know in, in a way ostracized I guess you could say from her, from her school and you know not being so popular and then all of a sudden like you know she's uh, more out of her shell and uh, I would like to see how that whole progression kind of like you know brings her into uh, you know her adulthood years you know, like, uh, maybe at the point where it's like, you know, uh, her parents are getting too old now, and now she has to, you know, bear the responsibility of, like, being, you know, the uh, the, the the most powerful, incredible, you know, mm. in, in the family. That could so. be a possibility. I, 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 and also the fact that, um, that you know, she didn't even want to be um, a superhero or even have powers in the movie. She just wanted to be a regular kid and she wanted to go out with this kid named Tony and she was too shy. And so we saw in the second movie that, you know, Tony's memory was erased and, you know, she was trying to, you know, for her to connect with him again. And so that, you know, kind of like fell apart a little bit later on in the movie. But yeah, I mean, we didn't really get too much of a focus on Violet and Dash in The Incredibles 2. I mean, it was mostly focused on Jack Jack if it, if we were talking about the kids. Yeah. So um, I, I would like to see if they did The Incredibles 3, I think they should focus it on Violet next. I think uh, that'd be awesome. That. Actually, yeah, I, I would really like to see that. And uh, in fact, I think it wouldn't be too surprising if they did. You know, and like uh, so. Uh, well, The Incredibles two made a lot of money in the box office. Yeah, so they'd be they'd be not. I mean, they're obviously focusing on the original movies now, but I think somewhere down the line they are going to want to do Incredibles three. I think. Well, we'll we'll wait and see because right now original movies are the current idea for Pixar. But like like you said, I mean, it could be a possibility that we could see something down the line, or maybe even a, an incredible series on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, until then, um, shall we focus on a National Native American Heritage Month? Yes. So, as you guys know, that November is National Native American Heritage Month, and uh, it's a celebration of people who are of Native American descent to get the recognition and the um, the proper focus on, especially since, well, you know, Thanksgiving is coming and. 
we already know about the implications about how a lot of them were driven away from their land, even though that they were promised peace from, you know, some certain people. And well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think one thing I actually would like to interested to see, uh, I would like to see, I'm just trying to search for something right now. So uh, I want to do like a top 10 maybe of like a Native American uh, characters. I think uh, that would be. That, uh, that should be interesting considering that um, other than maybe like a few films like Dances with Wolves or The Last of the Mohawks. Uh, Mohicans uh, and various others. You don't, and just recently, I guess, Reservoir Dogs. Mm. Um, you know, is you don't really see a lot of representation of Native Americans. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I'm gonna give you the uh, top ten of uh, these are, I believe, the best Native American characters in TV movies and TV. So uh, okay, shall we go through Ranker and uh, see what they think? Okay, let's do it. Okay, um, we if number ten we have Jose Chavez Y Chavez who plays in Young Guns and Young Guns Two. Oh, that's ooh, uh, I haven't seen the Young Guns movies in a very long time. I think they're like Western comedies. I think. Yeah, I think I'm not too sure. I, I, I got to be honest. I think I'm gonna uh, blank on quite a few of these things. I think. Uh, so. Okay. Well, fair enough. Okay. Um, next one, number nine is uh Victor Joseph from uh, Smoke Signals. Uh, that is, I believe, a Western TV series, yeah, uh, but I've never seen it. Why are they all Westerns? Uh, because, uh, well, the reason why, babe, is because um, Westerns were hugely popular around the 50s and 60s. And because they featured cowboys and they featured, um, you know, people living in the West, like the Midwest or California, there's going to be a chance that you're going to see a Native American character. Okay. Then. Because... Of course yeah. you are. Right. Okay. Oh, so, oh wait. Um, let's see if I if I can recall. Like, um, there were very there, were, and also give give them opportunities to do um, you know, Native American actors to actually be in these roles, even though that they sadly would play like very stereotypical characters. Yeah, it's just like uh, I, I mean, obviously the um, um, obviously there's Pocahontas. Obviously, I'm, I'm just looking through this actually list from Ranker. Actually, it's uh. I was hoping like to find like some animated characters actually that we can kind of talk about, but uh, they're all seem to be from like, uh, I mean, uh, the the two top ones at the moment are, like uh, Kicking Bird and uh, Wind in his Oh wait, I, I'm confused with another. Mo- I've confused it with something else. Uh, Smoke Signals is a as an indie film. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, I confused no. it with something else. Right. Okay. Well. Um, yeah, like uh, I was hoping to like uh, I never. Uh, yeah, I've got to be honest. It's um, I'm very sorry to say this to everybody, but you know some of the stuff I'm actually seeing in this list. I've got to be honest. It's kind of like uh, I've never seen this, and I've uh, I kind of recall this, but not too much. And one I don't even think is actually all that great. Uh, so I'll say I'll go through the whole list anyway. We'll just see where we go. Uh, Susie's, okay. Number eight is Susie's song from Smoke Signals again. Uh, that's so. again this, the the film. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, number seven is Chester Lake from Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Um. I'm going to be honest with everybody. I do not like Special Victims Unit. Like, uh, I, I, the, the, some of the episodes that I've watched, it's more like, I murdered this guy because I'm bad. Like, you know, it's just, it's uh, not because there's any, like, in, you know, interesting, like, you know, uh, reason for doing it or anything like that. It's kind of like, you know, yeah, I'm racist or yes, I'm, you know, you know, do, I, I do something that basically is, uh, really terrible, but, uh, and probably is probably realistic, but at the same time, like, it just, it just, it just doesn't, it just rubs me the wrong way. 
I saw some of the stuff that comes on. Like, for example, like, uh, you know, in the older order orders, like, you know, there would be a reason for, like, say, for example, like, uh, there was that episode where that, uh, that meatpacker, like, murdered that uh, activist with, like, a, like a, um, uh, yeah, with a, with a knife or something like that. And uh, the reason he, why he did that, because he was worried that, uh, you know, the, he was in under such strain under his business, you know, from, uh, to try and provide for, like, you know, this really bad customer, this really bad customer that he was going to, that uh, he was worried he was going to lose his business and stuff. I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of the episode, but uh, that was the original Law and Order. Like, you know, I always enjoy the original Law and Order more than I enjoy, like, the Special Victims Unit. You know, like... Uh, I see. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't... I don't... I've never seen Law and Order or any of the spin-offs, okay. so well, I can't really say it. I'll move on from that. So, uh, okay. no, number six is... Uh, this is the one I really don't get. Little Bear from the, in, the Indian in the Cupboard. Yes, that... Uh, the Indian in the Cupboard is a book that was eventually translated over to a movie, and Little Bear is the name of the Native American character. I know the movie sucked, unless I'm wrong. I it's not good to be quite honest. I mean, so the movie is about maybe. it's uh, it's seventy percent of Rotten Tomatoes, so it's it's the King of the Crystal Skull territory. I haven't seen that movie in a very long time, but from what I remember, I just found it to be kind of dull and boring. So for those who don't know what the movie's about, it's about a kid who receives a cupboard and um, it turns out that if he puts his toys in there, the toys come to life. And one of the toys that he puts in there that comes to life is a Native American named Little Bear. Hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I haven't seen this movie in a very long time, but from what I remember, it wasn't really good. Okay. Uh, number five is uh, Rotter Crow Horse in Thunderheart. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with that. Okay. Um, I might mispronounce this one. Uh, number four is uh, Chinjak Cook uh, from uh, The Last of the Mohicans. Yes, I, I am familiar with The Last of the Mohicans. It was a book that I read when I was in middle school, and I think they even did a movie version of it. So, yes, a very well-known character, yeah. Okay. Uh, number three is uh, Chief Brondon in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and, uh, yeah, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, I I, I have, uh, haven't seen the movie in such a long time, so I can't really state on that. Yeah, and uh, number two and number one are Windy, Kicking Bird and Winded His Hair uh, from Dances with Wolves. That's to be expected. I mean, Dances with Wolves is a very well-known um, film, you know, starring Kevin Costner, where he plays as a Civil War soldier named John Dunbar, and he's stationed over in this um, Sioux Native American location, and he meets up with the tribe over there, and he becomes really close to them. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell you what, actually, I might find actually a better list, um, maybe. Uh, we'll see what this is like. This is uh, cartoons and animated movies with good Native American and Inuit characters. Okay, so, let's see what they have to say. Okay, then, so this is the top ten I'm going to do. So, uh, number ten is uh, Waypost Base, the series. I haven't seen that series. Uh, okay. Uh, number nine is a Spirit St- Stallion of the Cimarron. We actually did talk about that in Dream Machine. We did talk about that. I basically just said it was a uh, Brian Adams music video. <laughs> yeah. I remember, yeah. Mind you, like you know, the uh, the Native American characters can't really say anything bad about them. I don't think. No, not not no. Not, not, not to say the least at all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number eight is Total Drama. I have never seen any of the Total Drama series I've before. I've seen but- one episode, but I don't think it featured a Native American character, as far as I'm aware. So. Okay, yeah, they they have so many incarnations of total drama. Uh, so my friend uh, Eli Stone, aka the Hero of Tomorrow, he's watching every single total drama series. So go watch his stuff if you're interested. I think this is the original total drama. I think so, the one that went from 2007 to 2014. So I think that's the original. One, okay, well, yeah, I, I go know. go go watch his videos. So okay. I'm sure that he'll talk about that. Right. Uh, number seven is Brother Bear. 
Well, um, I saw that movie once. I've never seen and, it. Okay. So I have seen it once. Uh, it's about a uh, Native American named... Uh, I actually don't know which... Uh, I, you know, I, I mean, I know it is of Native. Um, but as for, like, where, I don't know. But it's a, about a kid named Kenai. And he's um, very disrespectful to a bear because he wanted to kill it. Because it was the... Um, you know, he wanted to show off and then it ended up killing his brother. And so he goes after the bear for revenge. And so the spirits come by and turn him into a bear. The whole, you know, the, it's, it's not too much of a plot twist compared to like Brave. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, I remember that the, the beginning and the ending were like really, really impactful. But the middle, I just found it to be so kind of when it fell apart so again i haven't seen the movie in a long time so maybe if i watch it again i'm sure i'll appreciate it more but yeah i just felt it was i I felt it was kind of like um up you know in which like you know the first few minutes were so good but then when you got over to the middle part it's like that's when it just kind of like peters out um number six is a yon of the yukon oh york of the yukon yeah i've never seen that yeah, I've never seen it either. Okay. Uh, number five is uh, The Legend of Sarilla. No, I'm sorry. I've never seen it. No. Okay. Three young uh, Inuits uh, set off on the search of a promised land to save uh, their clan from starvation. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. It's got five right now on on uh, IMDb. So oh. Five out of ten. Uh, it's probably okay. average. Okay. Um, number four is Brave Star. Brave Star? Yeah, like the, 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 the TV series that kind of killed off... Uh, Funimation, wasn't it? Uh, I remember, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember Brave Star. Yeah. That, that was a thing. <laughs> that was a thing, yeah. But mind you, like, uh, I mean, again, it's been a while since I've seen it, Mike. I don't remember. A na- Did it have a positive portrayal of Native American characters? I have I have no idea. I have no to idea. To be quite honest. A Native American marshal and his friends uh, keep the peace on the frontier in New Texas. Okay. I guess you could say that's pretty positive to, like, be the protagonist and beat up everybody. Sure. So, yeah, okay. Uh, number three is La Grande uh, Chasse de Nanook. Uh, I think this is Canadian. Uh, it's uh, a 12-year-old Inuit boy uh, who embarks on upon a journey to find his missing father, undertaking a challenge of hunting down the mythical bear, uh, Suik Nanook. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Okay. <laughs> number two is Legend of Korra. Real? Oh, uh, interesting. Legend of Korra. Okay, I guess... If we are to go into the mindset that the Southern Water Tribe and the Northern Water Tribe, it kind of represents like, you know, um, Antarctica and um, the Arctic, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like where the Inuits was. Yeah. I guess you could say that it is of Native American representation. So, wow, that's actually interesting, actually. Mm. And uh, number one is Avatar The Last Airbender. Wait, which one? Uh, the CV uh, the series. Oh, well, I guess that's true. I mean, going back into it again, you know, I guess if we are to go into the mindset that, um, you know, the North and Southern water tribes are the North and South Pole, I guess Qatar and Suko, I mean, uh, Sokka, I'm sorry, Qatar and Sokka are Inuit's influence. So, sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um well, yeah, uh, we, we definitely need more shows with Native American yeah, protagonists. Like, it's just, it's, uh, I mean, I would like them to, like, take, you know, some, you know, Native American, you know, folk stories and just turn them into animated shows, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, or, or that, it feature characters who are Native American descent and 
you know, have them do something really interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, how I, long I mean, was I, it when the director of The Godfather, like, you know, protested, like, his Oscar, and he sent, like, a representative from, like, the uh, the Native American community to, like, you know, lambast, like, the whole, like, uh, you know, academy, saying that, you know, I, we hate our negative portrayal of, you know, of Native Americans, and, yeah. uh, you know, which got, like, a mixed response from, like, the crowd. So, like, uh, I mean, like, you know, that was, that was, that was a long time ago. Like, well, know, at that. least we do have reservoir dogs. So at least that, um, I mean, not, not res- reservation dogs. That's what I meant to say. Reservoir dogs is, reservoir the, dogs uh, is like, you know, yeah. The um, Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah. yeah. I don't reservation, remember reservation dogs is what I meant to say. That's the, um, what was it? Uh, I think it's on Hulu or Netflix. So yeah, that features a group of Native American teenagers. But yeah, I do think there needs to be more, uh, you know, um, in regards to animation. Like, I'm pretty sure there's going to be like a whole comma load of comments saying like, you know, oh, what about this character in the Owl House? And what about this character in Gravity Falls? And what about this character in this, that, and the other? Like, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure those, I'm sure those, um, you know, uh, comments are going to be flooding in soon. But uh, you know, I just think uh, there needs to be. I mean, because the only thing, unfortunately that comes to mind is Pocahontas, right? now like in regards mm-hmm. to I and mean, even you know there's even a debate whether that's actually a positive portrayal of it or not like it's, uh, it's hard it's hard to say considering that you know i i mean as a disney film i even said this myself that i don't hate it it's not the worst disney film i've ever seen i mean maybe you know if, if we were to talk about like the worst in terms of like when it came out during the renaissance period i mean maybe but as like a standalone film it's not the worst i've ever seen i mean i know a lot mm-hmm. of people disliked it when it first came out because they said it was historically inaccurate and all that kind of stuff but you know i don't hate it at all so i mean as to say it, how i think I think my problem is. with it is I think it failed to live up to like keep this in mind like you know uh, we had Robin Williams in, in Aladdin who was a riot and then we had Beauty and the Beast which is like you phenomenally you know presented and I think we were spoiled I think for a lot of movies before Pocahontas came around I think Pocahontas was kind of like when it started to kind of like fly a little bit off the rails unfortunately yeah and, and to think that that was the A project and the Lion King was their B project and Jeez. they were hoping that Pocahontas was going to be the really top notch Disney film and the Lion King was just going to be like secondary well if you remember like uh, that was the same in DreamWorks where they had like uh, the um the, the is it, oh it was going to be uh, uh the name just goes flying out of my head now but uh, oh, oh right. I know what you're talking about yeah Shrek the Prince of Egypt there we go the Prince of Egypt was the A project that was going to be the thing that was going to bring in the big bucks and then Shrek was just going to be like the punishment project that everyone just got like kind of slapped onto and yes. uh, you know like uh, that whole you know thing then basically became a massive phenomenon as we said before but uh it's just it's uh yeah um but again going back to my point i think there needs to be more native american representation in in in, in animation i think i agree yeah yeah so. we need more of it i think eventually it will come around i just think it's just, i hope yeah, so it, i hope so i mean we cannot just have reservation dogs as like our only example so far yeah i mean we, we've seen that a lot of people are willing to watch people who are of different nationalities and cultures and um able to tune in i mean look how big squid game is and that's a south korean show yeah i mind you like it won't be the first time that you know asia has like brought something you know um, you know quite phenomenal to uh you know to our screens like if you remember they brought in uh, what was his face? I think it was the um, that, that pandemic movie of like that virus that came around and killed everybody. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. think you're the, the the zombie movie you're referring to. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, and also there was the Ring as well. Like uh, there was uh, that that a massive, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, even it came with uh, like you know with the Western version. 
after that, you know, like, mm-hmm, uh, the, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, Asian uh, movies, you know, uh, do end up, or, you know, TV series, even for that. Yeah, mind you, one thing that's really big in Asia is like South Korean soap operas. Like, you know, they. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, my my sister and I, there was a time in which, even before it was like really popular, we would be watching South Korean soap operas because um, uh, her best friend went to South Korea to do some. Um, uh, like some internship work over there. And so she talked to her about like, oh, you know, there was this one show that was airing in South Korea. And then when it finally came into Netflix, we started watching it together and we thought, wow, this stuff is really good. So I'm hoping the same thing would happen for like uh, Native American shows. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I- I'm hoping sooner or later that, so, you know, we're going to talk about like this particular, I-, I-, I like to see, it would be a massive like, uh, you know, d- you know, uh, line to draw, I think, under the animation industry because, you know, we've got some real horrendous portrayals of Native Americans in animation. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's this Looney Tunes is a very big, you know, um, you know, and also there's a very, you know, Disney, I think, has also done really negative portrayals of uh, of India. Let's not forget about Peter Pan. Peter Pan, yeah, (laughs) indeed. And uh, also, it's just, it's, uh, but not just Peter Pan, like, I'm sure there's been other stuff that they've done where, like, they've made jokes about, you know, uh, I'm sure that Davy Crockett is also another example where they, you know, maybe they have, like, one segment where they feature Native Americans that wasn't, like, politically correct yeah exactly so unfortunately i think uh you know these these companies they could really draw a line under all of this i think if they say oh hey you know uh, we're gonna do, do this uh, animated project and it's all gonna be based like you know on like you know, the experiences of like native americans or like you know native american culture or something like that you know i think uh, that 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 would be a good place to start i think if they want to start drawing a line under all like all the negative portrayals that they've done over the years so mm-hmm. yeah Anyway, uh, shall we move on? So, uh, Variety, I believe, is predicting uh, Oscar contenders for animated films. So, uh, shall we go yep. through the list and see what we've got? Yeah, so I'm sure you guys know this, that every year that they always do these Oscar predictions, which is to be expected because, you know, <laughs> Oscars is around the corner and it is the biggest one in terms of, um, you know, what, hey, you know, if there's this movie that came out this year or in the past year, uh, we need to be able to find out, okay, uh, because I didn't have the chance to watch it, let's see which ones have really made it to the top. And let's be honest, they've always been a mixed bag. Sometimes they get a little bit too biased with particular films sometimes they completely overlook something and that should have been more recognized and others they hit it and they hit the nail on the head so yeah let's talk about for the animated feature so this is an article from variety and this is what they have according to their statements 2022 oscar predictions best animated feature so i'm just going to pull up what they would uh, consider to be the contender Wow. According to what they see as the contender for the one that wins it all is Encanto. And that movie hasn't even been out yet. Well, it had his it had his world premiere, I think, a couple of days ago. I think as of I know podcast. it did, but it's like, wow, that was really fast. Well, I think uh, the the one thing they do when they realize that uh, they might have like uh, you know a really good chance at uh, actually I'm just looking at uh, uh and Encanto now and just uh, having a look and seeing where we are on the tomatometer where are we now at the moment because i'm sure there must have been reviews surely at some point i'm sure that there has been but in the meanwhile i'll tell you what the other ones are on the ranking so number one is encanto number two is the mitchells versus the machines number three is luca number four is flea which is i believe a um foreign animated film 
And number five is Bell, which again, um, even though it has been released in Japan, it has not been released in America. So yeah, those are the top five in terms of what they personally believe are going to be the contenders for the best animated feature. And the runners up... Oh, here's, here's, here's something interesting. Actually, I'm sorry to interrupt you, babe. Um, you know, Inside the Magic, who are like, you know, the big, massive Disney diehards. Oh, yeah, there, sure. Yeah. Um, one review coming here, wept like a baby. Really? Wow. Like, to, to make the, the, to go to do that to the Disney diehards and Inside the Magic, that's, uh, wow. We might be in for an emotional one here. So. Oh, now this makes me even more excited. <laughs> yeah. Is this going to be like, okay. you know, is this going to be like, I'm sorry, just putting a spoiler here for, for, for Amphibia, but like, is this going to be like, you know, Marcy gets stabbed, you know, like a times a thousand or something like that for this? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, Are we gonna have a disclaimer right before the movie starts? Yeah, like, uh, um, well, while we're on the subject of that, did you see uh, Morgan Terry's reaction to True Colors? No, I, I have she, not. She 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 had a breakdown. Oh no! She was she 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 was like weeping her eyes out. I think her nose started bleeding at one point, and then oh jeez! And then she was and uh, I was just skipping through the through a bit of the video. I do apologize, Morgan. Like I wanted to get to the gist of like you know where where your video was going, but uh, she was like on the floor talking to a cat. I oh, like it. yeah, I think. Uh, oh, she, poor Morgan. Yeah, um, unfortunately, I regret to inform everybody. Uh, Amphibia True Colors has a broken Morgan Terry. So. Oh, man. Now this makes me want to watch Amphibia even more. I need to watch it. No. Are you sure? <laughs> Look what it did to Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to take my chance. To be fair, I mean, I mean there's, there's other people who have like, done reactions of True Colors and have survived, so I think we should be fine. Uh, yeah that's true but you know what i went through a hell of a semester i think this will probably be lighter than that anyway but um yeah let me just read off the runner-up so uh number six is sing two which again hasn't been out yet sing but, two is uh, nominated for an oscar Seriously? Well, I mean, it's, it, I mean it's next in line uh you know like what they believe will be the best animated feature yeah, yeah, uh, that's if, if, that's if, like number six. I, I do not. I mean, obviously, they're still yet to like announce like the official like you know nominations, aren't they? Like you know, I really don't want to hear nominated for it for an Academy Award. You know, yeah, like these through. are just the predictions, people. Let's just yeah. put this out there. Okay, number seven is Ryan the Last Dragon, which came out uh, just uh, this uh, past. Uh, I'm surprised it's January. not high. I'm surprised it's not higher up. Like, I'm surprised it's not higher up either. Yeah, like, uh, and also Luca being in 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 the running is not a surprise. Like, you know, Pixar just mop up the uh, the animated the animated section. I mean, it, it's it, it's to be expected. Yeah. Like, okay, I, number... I, always, I always say this in like in any podcast that we ever talk about. You know, the Academy Awards. Like Jack Black has always said, "I take all the money I make off a DreamWorks movie and bet it all on Pixar, and that's how I make more <laughs> money." And he, he says, <laughs> "I always say that every time we come to like one of these things," but. Uh, well, um, that's that's just awesome. Yeah. All right. Next one. Uh, number eight is The Summit of the Gods on Netflix. I haven't seen it, but it's not out yet again. Number nine is Viva, which I have heard about. Um, I have not seen, though. And then number 10. Oh, no. What's number 10? Boss Baby Family Business. Oh, jeez. That's not that's not that's not winning. I'm sorry. So the the, the the someone would have to seriously bribe, you know, or at least you know, may probably like have to, uh, you know, replay, you know, do like it, you know, uh, what was that? So you know, like um, the uh, uh, the the replace like the people like uh, what should we call it? Those vegetables. Uh, what's it? What was that? What's that? You know, uh, the 
people replaces or something like that. Like uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what it was. Like, it was a horror movie. Like uh, it was like replacing people. Like you know, were from from that to uh, you know. Uh, oh yeah, that's, that bothers me so much now. I'm so sorry, everybody. I I keep forgetting like all these uh, all these references and stuff. Like it's uh, people, right. people snatches. There we go. Like. Uh, yeah, so I think it was going to be like, uh, you know, then replacing them with like, you know, vegetable versions of themselves, something like that. They would have to do that to get Boss Baby through the line. Oh, jeez. Yeah, like that's, that's not happening. Yeah. So those are like the top 10 in terms of like predictions of what animated features are going to be nominated for Best Oscar for, you know, Best but, Animated but good Feature. Grief. I, right now, looking at this, I can definitely say that uh, if this thing is not certified fresh by, uh, you know, by next week, I think uh, you know it's. Um, I'll be very surprised. And Kanto seems to be, you know, really taking taking Disney by storm at the moment. Yeah, so. they are. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I'm now. We I guess once the official uh, list of best animated feature does get released for the Oscars, we definitely need to do like a prediction of what we think is going to win. What the heck is this? Sorry, I'm just looking through the Google search. Is Encanto Filipino? Uh, no, it's Colombian. It's Colombian. Why is that a search? <laughs> Why do people think he's Filipino? I have no idea. Okay, that's strange, but uh, yeah, uh, you, you know when you put in Encanto, like it gives you like you know where is Encanto based? Is Encanto a PG? Uh, is Encanto a Disney princess movie? Is uh, Encanto Filipino? What is Encanto about? Uh, it, how old is uh, Maribel in Encanto? Uh, what culture is Encanto based on? Like you know, just like I I, I credit people for googling this stuff, but you're know, like you know, it's just it's. Uh, they they have some pretty easy answers. I would have thought. I didn't think they were mm. quite googling, but that's just me. I don't so. know. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, I guess uh, those are the Oscars best animated feature predictions according to Variety. So again, uh, once in the coming months when they do start happening, then we will definitely talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo is going to be announcing an upcoming game console's released in twenty XX. You know, like, <laughs> so this is like I, I love the Mega Man reference, by the way. Yeah, so like actually, I think it's also a uh, Godzilla reference as well because they base things in twenty XX, don't they? Yeah, they so, do. That's yeah. that's funny. So it's a, it's coming out at the same time that Godzilla rises from the waters. So. Um, <laughs> Or uh, either that or the Reploids start taking over and we have to have Mega Man save us. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so another game called, mind you, like, uh, they only recently just came out with the, uh, the, uh, what was it, the OLD um, yeah, version the OL- of the... Yeah, the OLD, yeah. Uh, yeah, so of the, of, uh, the Nintendo Switch, so... Uh, I don't know if uh, I mean what this new game console is going to be about. Uh, well, I mean it sure. says right here um, they it says right here and uh, in Japan uh, recently put out a um, second quarter financial results and corporate management policy briefing for fiscal ending of March 2022 on their website and this was uh, done by uh, Shuntaro Fukuwara um, Furukawa I'm sorry the current president of Nintendo and the reason why they're doing this uh, like this is as opposed to person is because of well covid but anyway um they're they were like going over the usual stuff they were going over net sales they were going over um you know like how everything is doing in terms of like switch sales and all that kind of stuff so all the way in page 41 of this thing and by the way this is it is 48 pages long. It is really, really long. So if you're interested in like sitting down and taking the time to read all of it, then good for you. So in page 41 on their slide, and it's entitled Future Outlook, and it says right here, and I quote, 
In support of our efforts to increase the number of people who experience Nintendo IP, Nintendo plans to continue to expand its business around the core concept of creating unique, integrated hardware software products. In addition, we will build on the Nintendo Account Foundation to develop services that complement our businesses. Uh, with Nintendo Switch, we introduced the ability to link to a Nintendo account and create a foundation for maintaining a relationship between consumers going forward. We want to maintain a positive, lasting relationship with consumers throughout the accounts. And then they posted up a picture that showed off um, integrated hardware software for Nintendo DS and Wii, which came out in 2004 and 2006, respectfully. Uh, Nintendo Switch, which came out in 2017. And then it says, integrated hardware software, next gaming system, 20XX. So apparently the Wii U is not a thing, and neither is a 3DS. But yeah, so as for next gaming system... Uh, it's pretty unknown on when it's going to come out. We don't know what features it has. We don't know anything. So we, we won't know anything until they announce it. That's basically exactly. that's how it goes. And, and knowing Nintendo, it's going to be pretty soon because they usually every five to seven years they always release a new console. Yeah. So um, interesting to see where they go next with it because obviously, I mean, like, uh, um, I mean, the one thing. I think that there's one actually one concept of uh, video gaming which I think is yet to really be fully you know realized or fully like integrated into uh, into that. Do you know what that is? What's that? VR. Yeah. Ooh, VR. I mean, I know that the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One have dealt with VR, and, and I Steam. do know that. And Steam, yes. Half I thought. And I. Yes, and I know that there have been a lot of VR headsets that have been going around over the years. I mean, just recently, Resident Evil 4 was released on VR, and it's gotten a lot of uh, people loving it. But um, I guess it's, you know, VR is definitely a very difficult thing to do, especially if you're going to be playing it for upon hours upon hours upon hours. It's kind of like how they try to do the Virtual Boy, in which you had to take, like, breaks in between. So... Uh, if there is a full-fledged game that they can be able to utilize the best in VR, and if it functions well, that could be a possibility. Yeah, we're going to finally get that to all the way to sequel to Wet Alarm. So, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, um, but, so, you know, it's, um, I think maybe that's one thing, one direction Nintendo could go in. Like, they say, oh, you know, there's all this virtual gaming, unless they're haunted by, like, you know, how massive a failure the, the virtual boy was. Like, Knowing uh, them, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so I don't think they're probably going in that direction, I don't think. I'd be very surprised if they do. But, uh, I mean, uh, it's interesting to see where Nintendo would. I mean, the only thing I could really think they could do is, like, you know, oh, hey, we're finally joining 4K gaming. Like, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, hey, welcome to everybody else who's currently doing 4K gaming right now. So, it's... Uh, yeah. I mean, again, you know, it, it does tend to happen where Nintendo is definitely like a decade behind the ball. Mm -hmm. But uh, here's the thing about, like, you know, Nintendo, whatever they do, they make it fun. You know, like, I mean, the Wii U obviously was a, uh, you know, was just like an upgraded Nintendo Wii. So I, I don't really count that as like, you know, that's a bit of a slip up. I do admit that. But, uh, you know, like at least with the Nintendo Switch, you know, it's like it's a, it's a game console you can take and take out around with you. And then when you finally get home, you can play it on your TV. Like, you know, it's like the, the fun doesn't really stop with Nintendo now pretty much at this point. But yeah, I, I think that also the fact that people were thinking that, oh, um, you know, that they, um, the Nintendo was leaning more towards like, you know, uh, a younger demographic and it's like more for kitty stuff. Oh, you are far wrong because we need to go over to the next bit of news. So there's been an announcement discussing about how Nintendo had recently, um, you know, I think it was Nintendo or maybe somebody else. They recently put out a poll of showing off, uh, according to, you know, this current, uh, you know, 
people who are playing on their Nintendo Switch, how old they are. So, um, yeah, this is from Nintendo. So um, the Nintendo president, uh, Shuntaro Furukawa, he was discussing about the age of the annual players using on the Switch. Again, going back into that. Uh, presentation that we just did earlier discussing about the upcoming consoles. This is what he said. Uh, the graph shows the age of annual playing users, which is quite varied. There is diversity in the frequency of gameplay and the number of titles purchased. So he posted up a picture. And according to what we see on the picture, um, okay, so we have the zero all the way to 60 plus. So if we go over to people who are like around maybe from five to 10 years old, we see games such as like uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild and Mario Kart 8. And if we go over to like teenagers, like around from 15, we see Splatoon 2. If we go from, from 20 to 30, we see like Super Mario Odyssey and we have Super Mario Party and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. If we go around from the 30 to 55, we see... Uh, the Pokemon Sword and Shield, we see Ring Fit Adventure, and we see Animal Crossing New Horizons. And so the biggest jump in terms of who is playing the most out of these games for the Switch, the biggest rise are 20-year-olds. It's not little kids, as many people like to call it. And even though that you have a bit of a rise around between like five and 10, then it kind of dips a little bit when they reach over to 15, but then it jumps amazingly up in terms of 20. Then it kind of just like slowly goes down from like, you know, 25 and then 30 is a little bit of a boost. And then it goes all the way a little bit down again until you reach over to 60 where there's barely a lot of people playing it. But still, that's still a lot of people who who are playing on their switches and they're older than you think yeah, exactly like you know nintendo people are staying loyal like and if mm-hmm. anything like you know that's a lot of loyal fans days when they go out and say you know they're still playing this like other people are getting involved too like uh, and let's be honest i mean like i was I, the reason why i think it it, it goes over on the 20 year olds because likelihood is that they're probably the generation that grew up with the wii you know, and uh, yes. like, and also that it would have been a generation that, uh, you know, they would have had like a Wii in the home. So, yeah. um, you know, the uh, this is a, 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 a carryover from the Wii generation over to the Nintendo Switch generation, because likelihood is that, uh, you know, the um, the idea of the Wii to begin with was like to get the family all playing games at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you can see there, like uh, there has now been this big boost up into uh, in regards to the 20 year olds. But now Nintendo's next, ob- you know, next uh, objective is to keep hold of this, uh, of these bunch of people, because I guarantee you that uh, if they decide that, oh, actually on top of that as well, like, uh, you know, this generation of gamers, and I, I don't know if I'm being unfair by saying this, but uh, the, I got not thinking that these younger gamers are now, f- you know, the are far more hardworking and are far more like, like, you know, they're working longer hours of work. They've got so much more else going on in their lives at the moment. I think uh, they are massively somewhat distracted, I think I would say, than uh, they, I guess, say that, you know, you and I's uh, generation was at the time. Like, you know, we had a lot of time to play games and uh, we had a lot of time to kind of like do other stuff. And uh, definitely I did at that, at that time. But, you know, I noticed now that uh, there's a lot of people who feel like they are just gaming like in between like, you know, small little gaps that they have, like, you know, where they don't have to like work or do like things in the evening and stuff like that. Like, you know, we got you know, a generation of like, you know, 20 year olds that are like working two separate jobs. Like one in the afternoon, like one in their day job and then one in the evening and stuff like that. Like they, they barely get any chance to kind of like sit down. So, I mean, that I think that's where the Nintendo Switch comes in because, you know, they're just taking the Nintendo Switches with them and wherever they happen to be in the world, they happen to be playing them. 
So, mm-hmm. like, uh, that's where Nintendo strength comes in. And uh, I don't know. I, I suddenly wonder if it's just going to be a matter of time when Xbox and PlayStation decide to pick this up and say, yeah, we now got a uh, a way of, like, you know, to carry on your... And actually, Steam's already kind of going there, too, because obviously they got the Steam Deck. So mm-hmm. they even have their own way of, like, you know, trying to get, you know, gaming on the move. You know, or trying right, to get into right. places where people are not going to be in their homes all that often. So, um, also, you know, Nintendo consoles happen to be cheaper than, you know, the current generation of consoles. So, like, uh, you still have a situation where it's still more affordable to be a gamer in the in the, in the Nintendo uh, fold than it is to be anywhere else uh, at this point. So, there are many, many reasons why I could see that 20, you know, 20 to, I managed 20 to 30 year old demographic still being private, private, you know, taking precedent over various other ones because likelihood is they're the ones that are currently, you know, having to move around and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they're not getting an opportunity to kind of like just sit down and play their PS5 or PS, you know, their, their, their Xbox Series X or anything like that. So it's, uh, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that you know, that's where Nintendo's generation is now. Yeah, so. absolutely. And also the fact that because that's a carryover, then they're probably going to be the ones who are going to be the most invested in it. And, uh, you know, I think that even with the pandemic, it's definitely gotten more people into and being invested in Nintendo products. I mean, we saw what happened with like, you know, Animal Crossing New Horizons. It's like, hey, you know, that was like a huge game for the uh, for the Switch because they're able to, you know, make their own towns and make their own characters and have people interact with other people online. So yeah, that, that that's definitely become massive. Mm-hmm. So, well, hopefully Nintendo will be able to get hold of them because if they don't like it, they'll easily just go away. So... Yeah, and you know how, well, I mean, it's kind of like that uh, that meme I see about, like, Nintendo fans. It's like, how hardcore of a Nintendo fan are you? Are you the angry fan who demands that these be good? Or are you the passionate Nintendo fan who thinks that they could do no wrong? It's like, yeah, the thing about Nintendo fans is that they can easily become bored or they can easily become really frustrated if Nintendo doesn't, like, cater to, like, a certain game series or franchise uh, I'll that they're hoping this, for. That I think before, like, when when um, Nintendo, uh, remember when Nintendo was in the doldrums when like uh, they were like just struggling and like you know they were getting booed out of the building every three, and uh, now they're getting to the point where you know all Nintendo fans will wait for Nintendo Direct to like, but uh, this is like pre pre pandemic. They would actually go to the, you know, to the Nintendo store in New York City and, like, you know, sit there patiently waiting to see what the next, you know, uh, amazing excitement is going to be for Nintendo. And, uh, they you know, you would always see them cheering. Like, you know, like, uh, they, you know, they were barely, I mean, like, uh, the only time they really kind of set their kind of, like, stony face was, like, you know, when I was when they were doing, like, you know, the generic, like, uh, oh, here's all our third-party games and, like, you know, here's, here's what we are, here's what we got kind of going up. Like, uh, they definitely didn't know how to react when uh, they heard that, you know, the Dark Crystal <laughs> video game was going to be coming out on Nintendo Switch. It was kind of like, what? So, uh, they, yeah, they, 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 I remember. I remember that. Like that was uh, that was kind of funny in a way. But then, like you know, when the when the meat and potatoes, or when like you know the main event, you know, really came in, like the main course was served up, like they were really happy, and, like they were like dancing around and stuff. You know, like yeah, it, it I mean, just... it's, it's like I said before, it's like um, that IGN uh, journalist meme that I see where you know they have the three guys with the stale look on their face, and then one year later they're really excited about something. And that came from a uh, Nintendo E3 where Miyamoto was presenting Pac-Man versus or something, and then E3 2004 2005 that was when they were releasing like um, what was it like? I think it was like Zelda um, Twilight, Twilight Princess. Princess. Yeah, exactly. So. 
um, you know, this, uh, but this goes to the point now where Nintendo fans were like, well, we'll now want to go to, you know, go all the way, buy a ticket to go to the Nintendo store or like to go watch the, the next Nintendo Direct. And, uh, you know, they will sit there as fans and uh, watch it all go out. And like, they're never, they're at the point where they're never disappointed. Never disappointed. You know, right. like, uh, yeah, I've, I've yet, yeah, exactly. one thing I would like to see is uh, when we get, obviously, you know, when, uh, coronavirus starts to kind of like, you know, uh, be, be kind of like uh, less of a thing, uh, you know, in, in a couple of years. Like, when they finally start getting the fans back in and Nintendo, like, I really like to see how the Nintendo fans react when Nintendo has a really lousy Nintendo Direct. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like I, I like to see, like, what would happen in that situation. Like, you know, do they boo out the building? Like, do they not very, you know, feel very happy about it? Or do they just sit there in silence? Like, I'm really, I'm looking at the moment, like, can you really say that over the last couple of years Nintendo have put a wrong foot in at the moment? I mean, so far, they've been doing okay. I mean, I know that there was, like, the whole discussion that we did last week about, like, oh, you know, they're putting their games uh, uh, from the Nintendo 64 into the Switch, and it hasn't been working properly, but... I mean, well, that wasn't than, a major announcement. I mean, like, uh, I know, I know, but I'm yeah. just saying, I'm just saying, like, it, it can be a mixed, yeah. but, but you know, if you look at all the major announcements, like, for example, all the Smash Brothers reveals, like, yes. uh, they, they've never disappointed from no, oh and, and Metroid Dread, that was a huge deal, that was a huge deal, and uh, Animal Crossing New Horizon, like, you that know, was that, a huge that was a huge deal. And so, um, Bayonetta 3 even, even you know, like, they didn't even have, like, a a, a crowd to kind of, like, to pop to. And even everyone there was, like, you know, just constantly, you know, saying, oh, my God, Bayonetta, Bayonetta's back. You know, like, uh, so, um, Nintendo have yet to wrong foot, I think, at this point. I mean, obviously, there's been some disappointments on the side, but they're just side things that, like, uh, weren't really, like, part of, like, Nintendo's, like, massive, you know, you know, announcements or anything like that. Like, uh, I mean, I guess you could probably say that, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, Sora is like the last ever Smash Brothers character and uh, even like, you know, the creator of Smash Brothers, like saying, you know, Smash Brothers might even like still go on without him. They don't know. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. So. And, and and people were like, you know, even saying uh, when Sakurai announced that, hey, maybe Smash Brothers will not be the end after Ultimate. And then people were like yelling on social media, give Sakurai a break, Nintendo. <laughs> he might even get it. He, he might get a break. They might continue on without him. So, yeah, we'll see. You never know. But mind you, now that all like uh, the the clones are coming out, like you know, you got Sir Nickelodeon Stars Brawl, and now we got this Warner Brothers, you know, rumored game that's going to be coming out, and uh, no doubt we've had other Smash clones come out too. Like, uh, I think eventually it's, um, I think Smash Brothers, I think will basically generally be, oh yeah, everyone's kind of got that kind of game. What what can they do with it now? You uh-huh. know, so yeah, maybe we are seeing the end of Smash Brothers. Maybe maybe like the end of it's going to be like you know all these kind of poor clones that have all come out. No, well, we'll see. Um, Okay, so uh, next bit of news that's come out, which is really kind of confused us, me me and Patricia, and uh, that is that uh, the Alvin and the Chipmunks is apparently up for sale. Yeah, like this was actually pretty shocking to say the least because, you know, we thought that it was doing pretty decently on Nickelodeon, and no, apparently, according to CNBC... The Baldessarians are talking about they want to sell the Alvin and Chipmunks franchise for $300 million. I'm just going to pull out what it says right here. They, okay. Bogdasarian Productions, own the Alvin, owner of the Alvin and Chipmunks franchise, is seeking to a buyer, according to people with knowledge of the matter, and it looks to cash in on the pr- premium press that media companies and private equity investors are, have been willing to pay for intellectual property. The company owned and operated by Ross Bogdasarian Jr., his wife, uh, Janice Carmen, have held talks with potential buyers, including Viacom CBS, which 
owns Nickelodeon and, you know, they're the ones who did the TV series that came out recently, but hasn't become to an agreement on terms, said the people who asked not to be named because they are very private. And so they're looking for $300 million and they have been uh, talking around with uh, people such as uh, Carlisle, Providence Equity, Apollo Global and Blackstone, who are deeply interested in acquiring the content. So, yeah, I have no idea what's going on in Bogdasarian Productions, but it must be really serious if they are talking about selling the Alvin and Chipmunks production because, I mean, they have been owning it for over 60 years. Yeah, and yeah, Exactly. Like, also, I think one thing I would like to know is, like, what's in the sale? Like, is it, like, the... Is it going to be the, uh, the the library of, like... Uh, all yeah, the the, we're talking about the library of CDs, records... TV shows, movies, every everything, Man, the entire know, property. Well, that's that's quite that's quite strange to say the least. Like you know, it's uh, uh, I mean, like uh, who owns like uh, the like for example like the eighties TV shows? Like who owns who owns the eighties? So you know, Alvin and the Chipmunks. I mean, I wasn't at NBC that aired it, but even then, Bogdasarian Productions like still held the rights to it, All and right. you know th- what they would do is that you know if if, if um. You know, if, if they were able to, like, find a good um, distribution company to be able to do it, I mean, they still had the rights to it. So, you know, uh, Ross, Bagdasarian well, I'll Jr. I'll show you this. Like, so, uh, production companies included uh, Bagdasarian Productions, but also Ruby Spears Enterprises were also, like, uh, partly involved. And also uh, Murakami Wolf Swenson was also uh, one of the productions. And also De- Deke Enterprises was also one partner in, in this as well. So yeah. like, and also it included uh, the distributors according to it was like a uh, Lomar Telepictures and also uh, Warner Brothers Domestic Television. So, yeah, I, mean, I think it there's, did there's air. A lot, there's a lot of people involved here that kind of like say, well, okay, I want to. If there's going to be a sale, I think I want part of this money. You know. Yeah, I mean, they did uh, a lot of animation companies did work on it, and I know that it was uh, you know distributed by like NBC and I think ABC even had it, and there was like a lot of reruns on Cartoon Network, and yeah, I mean, a lot of people knew about Alvin and the Chipmunks. I mean, they knew about the '60s animated series, they knew about the the records that would come out, like the Witch Doctor and stuff like that. Then the '80s had the reboot where they brought back Alvin and the Chipmunks, and they had the Chipmunk Adventure where they introduced the Chipettes. Then they had another animated series that happened uh around the 90s and then we had the move then we had the 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 movies um where like you know we had alvin and the chipmunks meet the werewolf and then alvin and chipmunks meet frankenstein and then we had the live action alvin and the chipmunks movies featuring jason lee as dave seville and then we had the animated series on nickelodeon so i mean i guess in a way even though that they weren't like massive compared to something like Scooby-Doo, it was still around our pop culture. So mm. I was thinking that they were doing pretty decently. Yeah. Like, I mean, so I'm, I'm guessing that, uh, I mean, if they are going to make this sale, like uh, also $300 million. I mean, like, uh, would you say that was a, that was a fair price for like, you know, Alvin and the Chipmunks? I think it's too low. I think it is too low. Like, but know, then again, you know, I don't. I mean, even, I think there was one person on Twitter who even said that was too high because it's like they were saying, "When was the last time Alvin and the Chipmunks was relevant?" What are you talking about? They're like they're on the lineup, aren't they, for a Nickelodeon at the moment? I have no idea what they're referring to. I mean, I just saw this one person tweeted so, it, but it, wasn't, it wasn't too long since they had a movie franchise at one point. Exactly. It was like less than a decade ago. I know exactly. Like it was just it was uh, so you know Alvin and the Chipmunks definitely has value. No, there's no, there's no question about that whatsoever. Like he's, he's, uh, he's had multi generations of fans. 
Like, if you ask people who is Alvin and the Chipmunks, I guarantee you will get an answer. Yeah, they'll so. know about Alvin. They'll know about Simon. They'll know about Theodore. They'll know about the Chipettes. They'll know about Dave Seville. They'll know about these characters. Exactly. So, like, I think it's I think it's outrageous to say that, you know, Alvin and the Chipmunks doesn't have, like, you know, value. It definitely does. So uh, I don't know. But as for, like, prices, I mean, I'm actually curious about, like, um, how much... Uh, other properties when they were being purchased by other, when they, you know, they sold it off to other companies. How much was that in comparison? Like, I know that Jim Davis sold the rights to Garfield a few years ago, like around Viacom CBS with Nickelodeon. So, I mean, I wonder how much money he got from that. Mm. And I'm also curious about like other things such as like, um, uh, I mean, I know that Netflix recently acquired the rights to Power Rangers after Nickelodeon's had it for over a decade. So I'm actually curious about how much money they had to pay for it. So, I mean, we're talking about like a franchise that's been around for over 60 years and $300 million for it. I mean, we're talking about a huge phenomenon. We're talking about like, you know, every Christmas. I don't know about you, Aaron. Every Christmas on the radio, I always listen to Alvin and the Chipmunks singing the Christmas list song. Yeah. So, um, as far, yeah. So this is a very confusing situation, I think, for obviously me and Patricia. Like, uh, we really don't know what to make make of this. But uh, I think, uh, I think, if we had to put like uh, maybe a um, a bet on like uh, who was going to acquire, you know, Alvin and the Chipmunks, I think I would say probably Viacom. Viacom will definitely want it. I think uh, if uh, they, they would, they would be nuts to turn this down. I think. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean. I th- I think that they'll be nuts to turn this down too. It's like you know they've already done the TV yeah, series. So if, they, if they turn this down, guess who's going to come and knocking? Yeah, I think that um, Warner Media is going to get it. Uh, well, even well, do you think the mouse might want it? Ooh! <laughs> like you know, he's like coming soon to Disney Plus. It's Alvin and the Chipmunks. So you can see it, can't you? Holy shit! Yeah, I'm, 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 like uh, you know Disney gets its I guess it sounds on everything. Pretty much at this point, and so I guarantee you, like, and don't tell me that Disney does not have the money to uh, to to buy to purchase, you know, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Well, yeah, you you do have an excellent point there, Aaron. Exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah. Again, we'll have to wait and see who's going to be the one to purchase this, but um, yeah. As for like Alvin and the Chipmunks, I mean, we definitely need to keep our eyes on it to see where that's going to go. Mm-hmm. Right, okay, um, we were looking through Twitter, and uh, we came across uh, an interesting thing from Nikolai. By the way, shout out to Nikolai, by the way. She, they, they do work some very, very wonderful work on uh, keeping mm-hmm. an eye on the Disney, uh, and also keeping an eye on the schedules as well. And they came across something very interesting, uh, and that is going to be the Memorial Day schedule for Nickelodeon. Um, veteran, Veterans Day. Veterans Day. Well, uh, I mean, it's the it's the 11th of November, isn't it? That, uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Well, he, here in the UK, it's kind of like memorial, it's kind of like, you know, you know uh, remembrance remembrance day yeah for, uh, there's a difference between memorial day and veterans day yeah, sorry, veterans right. day yeah veterans day it celebrates the soldiers who lived mm-hmm. memorial day is a celebration of the soldiers who passed away okay so is veterans day in america coming up now pretty yes. much yeah so okay then. so yeah it's, so it's kind of like our remembrance day if you will like uh, well it is remembrance day here in the uk for, for that yeah. particular day so it's, it's more or less the same thing well, I think these. Well, the Veterans Day is celebrating our veterans who are alive at the moment, isn't isn't that? Yes. Yeah. Well, in the Remembrance Day, it's celebrating those who, well, basically remembering those who have passed away in war. 
So okay, so that's Memorial Day. So, yeah, so like, we—it's kind of confusing. Yeah, so while you're celebrating Veterans Day, we're kind of like remembering more, you know, Remembrance Day here and here. Okay, here, here, here. yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um. So, anyway, for that, more information, that, that, all that confusion out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All it, that confusion it, out of the way. Yeah. Uh, for more information about Veterans Day, go watch the Hey Arnold episode on Veterans Day. Exactly. Yeah. So definitely watch that, and so also and uh, you know check out. Uh, by the way, buy a poppy if you if you can at uh, your uh, local uh, shop. They should have them there. So you don't need a pound. Or donate somewhere more and uh, wear a poppy for um, for uh, a remembrance day here in the UK. So. Yeah, and as for here, if you do see a soldier, then you know, tell them thank you. Yeah, definitely. for all that they do. Mm-hmm. But uh, so well, anyway, if if you're that is if you're not going to be watching Nickelodeon that day, uh, which uh, <laughs> <laughs> is what we're, we're going to talk about now. So the 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 uh, Veterans Day lineup for the uh, for, for Nickelodeon has uh, has has been released, and so which basically has a very interesting omission, and that is that there is no Cam Coral, there is no SpongeBob Square pants and there is no mention of spongebob squarepants anywhere in the schedule so wow. um i think uh, maybe we should have like a maybe a quick look and see what there is and uh, see what we make of it as uh you know i mean i know pants. that in the mornings there are going to be showing paw patrol yeah. a lot of paw patrol that definitely is going to be one thing but uh, let me just get the uh because i'm pretty sure i retweeted it myself when i was uh, looking for- actually, i think one- you did yes no, actually no i think i actually i dm'd it to you actually i just realized oh so that's right you yeah. did okay so okay. if that's the case so, then let me see if okay I so i'm gonna look it. i'm gonna look at the dm so um <clears throat> So six six a.m. Uh, you're gonna start off with Paw Patrol, and that goes on up until about uh, seven thirty in the morning. Then eventually at eight o'clock you go to Peppa Pig, and then more Paw Patrol after that. And then you go to I think it's Bubble Guppies. Uh, yes, the- Bubble Guppies is a preschool show that is about mer kids I, I i don't know what the pronunciation of mermen and mermaids for kids That's are interesting like nickelodeon is starting off with their 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 uh preschool uh lineup pretty much uh, for the for the main channel that's interesting i mean that's they've always done that babe oh okay then well i didn't realize they did that for that particular day but here we are uh so um then we go to uh blazing the monster machines uh that's so that- a i think that's um sh- i think that's a new nick jr show i think it's about a, a bunch of kids and it involves with monster trucks okay then and uh, then we're going into our movie se- into our movie section so uh we got b movie why ah. why <laughs> oh, no. you know when you really think about it why is a movie like that on nickelodeon i mean that's interesting because this is um it's Seinfeld. nickelodeon and yeah, well, not only that, but I was going to say, like, they don't usually air DreamWorks movies very often, unless, of course, if it's like Madagascar, but Well, yeah, Madagascar, but that's, you know, obviously Madagascar is one of their series, isn't it? So Yeah, like, exactly, and Kung Fu Panda. Exactly, so, yeah. So, interesting. It's weird anyway. that we're getting B B-movie on Nickelodeon, but uh, there we go. Uh, well, yeah. mind you, um, the, the fun doesn't stop there. We've got the Croods after that. So. I mean, like, like we said in our discussion, the cruise wasn't that bad. It was just average. Yeah, it was like I think one day we might revisit it on Kingdom of uh, Sorry, in search of the Crystal Skull. I think at uh, some point maybe. And we so. are going to revisit it pretty soon because I think that uh, we have oh, to talk about Cruise in New, New Age. Age. Yeah, so yeah, uh, so we we do have to rewatch it again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then after that, we got Despicable Me. And yeah, Despicable Me at the beginning of the. Um, Illumination films. Yes, yeah. I don't mind Despicable Me, even though some of the people do. I um, find it to be pretty overrated, but uh, that's because I hate Minions. Yeah, well, I don't like Despicable Me too. I think uh, that, that I think I think that that was just you know a bit too much for me. I think. Uh, yeah, and uh, then eventually after that we get uh, that girl Lele uh, is next. 
Okay, that. I think that's one of their like live action shows. I guess. And then we get to the Nickelodeons Unfiltered uh, rolling with the fun guy. Yeah, I think Unfiltered is like their comedy segments. Yeah. Then we get Meet Clifford, which Oh, think... that's right, Meet Clifford. They're talking about the Clifford the Big Red Dog movie that's going to be coming out. Cool. Okay. And then we get a Loud House episode. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay, so uh I guess uh but mind you, it's a very different lineup at least for me when it comes to Nickelodeon like that's not really what I thought you could think of a, of a lineup when I think of Nickelodeon really yeah because remember a few weeks ago we looked back on a typical lineup for Nickelodeon and it was chock full of Spongebob you notice we never mentioned Spongebob in that particular schedule and it's November 11th it's Veterans Day which means that most likely kids will be staying home during that particular holiday so you would think that that would be an opportunity for them to feature Spongebob but no for the most part you're going to have your preschool shows and then throughout the morning and late afternoon you're going to be featuring movies mind you like so, uh, when you think this would be a great day to like feature like you know the hey arnold episode veterans day oh, no, that would be amazing by uh, the way exactly out of all the episodes here's the thing like and also i'm pretty sure there's been other episodes of nicktoon shows that do like honor our troops in some way i do believe i don't remember actually because mm. I mean, I know that, you know, characters such as Grandpa Lou from Rugrats was in the war, but I don't think there was like a, a Veterans Day episode as well, far I mean, as you, I can you, remember. You could at least like play like the mattress episode, maybe. Like, you know, it's like, hey, save my life back in WW2 or something like That's that. That's true. You could do that, yes. Maybe, but, uh, you know. And, like, um, you know, and also I know that Mr. Krabs has been in the Navy, but then again, you'll be showing a SpongeBob episode. I thought, and- I thought he was like, uh, he was a, sh- I thought he was a chef on a, on a, on a, on the SS diarrhea or something like that. Yeah, was... like it's it's co- I know like continuity in SpongeBob has never been consistent. Okay, yeah, actually, I, I should well, I don't know why I even asked that question, but uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, also it's not that as well. Like, there's no point in airing that because there's a SpongeBob oh, wait, wait, on this day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, he, he cleaned he cleaned the bathrooms in the Navy. Oh, okay, then that's, that's anyway. But yes, there was also um, who else was in the? I mean, I guess Avatar: The Last Airbender could be another example. You know, yeah. showcasing you know people in the war. Um, you could talk about that. Um, was the Legend of Korra kind of like honoring like you know the the whole fight like that happened in the like the you know uh, the whole war that took place you know during that time or something like that? I'm pretty sure there was nothing um, like that, unless I'm mistaken. Maybe like maybe like one or two, but that didn't really was a focus on it to be quite honest. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that could be featured. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, yeah, very slim pickings when it comes to like episodes to show up on veterans day but anyway but yeah the fact that spongebob is not in the lineup is really interesting yeah but i mean like out of all the days you would think that you want to like highlight spongebob squarepants you know i guess uh, you know unless they just think that everyone's gonna be out for you know for, for veterans day i don't know so that, that could be a possibility i mean that you know maybe they'll think that they'll be out during the day you know true mm-hmm. um but yeah i i mean do you think that maybe um uh, that maybe SpongeBob, you know, according to maybe like some of the people in Nickelodeon, do you think that maybe, you know, they're going to start lessening SpongeBob little by little? I don't know. I mean, like, uh, here's the thing. I think if Paw Patrol start be like becoming like their thing, where it's kind of like, you know, oh hey, well, why on earth would we continue, you know, going with Paw, with sorry, with SpongeBob SquarePants when we got Paw Patrol? Uh, and uh, that's bringing in the ratings now. And, you know, they've had the Paw Patrol movie recently, and uh, while it hasn't done... Actually, that's the only thing as well. Like, it's quite surprising that they actually are starting to push Paw Patrol because Paw Patrol is not as successful as SpongeBob. 
I think we can no, all agree with that. I, and, I mean, and also, the, um, the the movie failed to pull in the uh, the amount of money that the Rugrats movie pulled in when uh, that that got released. So you know, I think the in regards to like shows that go over to movie format, I think the Rugrats movie's always been kind of like you know, here's the bar you have to kind of like jump over for us to really care about you. So, yeah, uh, and, and yeah. not to mention that they've already announced like last week that they're going to be doing a sequel to Paw Patrol. Oh, okay, so that's that. Well, mind you, that's that's positive. You know, like yeah. the fact that he's not done as done, done as well as like other Nickelodeon movies. Like you know, it's uh, I think that's a positive sign for for Paw Patrol as well. Yeah, I mean, so. considering that you don't really hear discussions about theatrically released Nick Jr. movies. I mean, the last one that I remember was um, Little Bear, but that was released exclusively in Canada in theaters. And then there was Dora and the Lost City of Gold, but that wasn't based off of like, it was based off of Dora the Explorer, yeah, but exactly. it wasn't yeah, based on like the, that, the preschool that, show. That was Michael Bay's really weird, you know, um, Michael Bay was no longer, a, Mo, Mi Michael Bay left production you know, uh, even before the movie came out, oh, so he yeah, was no yeah. I, I he was remember. no longer a part of it. Yeah, but I'm sure he's allowed to put his fingerprints all over it. I guess but not also, really. No. All right then. Well, I've seen the movie. I've seen the movie actually, and it's really, really funny. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, yeah. Go listen to my podcast, by the way, where myself. I've never and seen it, so I've never had a chance to kind of like you know sit down and actually. You watch will it. be genuinely surprised. I will let you know that. Okay. For those who are interested, go check out the podcast that Remington Keys and I from the Nerd Pod Talk. Can you ask you uh, does the swiper swipe anything in this uh, in this movie? Or am I giving? Is not, that, is that a massive plot point? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it for okay, you. Okay, that's a massive plot point then. All right then, uh, putting that aside. Maybe it is. Maybe it is, and I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Um. Tell you what. Um. While I go off and uh, get myself a drink, why don't you uh, introduce our next segment, which uh, Aaron? Is... At this point, you need to be prepared. I know. I'm sorry, babe. But okay. Uh, okay. So, well, so yeah, I will go over the next bit of news. So, go ahead, babe. Okay, so let's talk about something that has been taking over the world, at least in terms of like animated stuff on Adult Swim. So Aaron and I have been talking over the past few weeks that Adult Swim has kind of been in a bit of a decline. I mean, Squid Billies had just ended uh, or is about to end after being in the air for over 15 years. Uh, we have uh, Robot Chicken, which is definitely on the verge of decline, which is um, not very good. I mean, even Aaron himself said that um, he tried watching some new episodes of Robot Chicken and they were pretty unwatchable. And um, yeah, so definitely it is a case that Adult Swim needs some fresh ideas. So in comes Pibby. Pibby is a Adult Swim short that was uploaded onto their YouTube channel and it has taken over the world. I mean, it is absolutely crazy. So uh, for those who don't know, it is a short that was created by Dodge Greenlee, who was uh, one of the screenwriters for Sanjay and Craig and Peaky Malinky on Nickelodeon. And it is set in a fictionalized Cartoon Network universe, and it features three cartoon characters who are in a cutesy little preschool show. And then all of a sudden, there's this huge glitch that starts taking over everything. You have uh, iconic Hanna-Barbera characters. You have Cartoon Network characters being taken over by this huge glitch. And then all of a sudden, Pibby transforms into like this cutesy little preschool character that is really kick-ass protagonist that you would see in a post-apocalyptic movie. So this thing has over 2.6 million views on Adult Swim, and people have been demanding that they make an animated series based off of it, just how much it has taken over. 
It is really weird, but it is very interesting. And so I'm actually curious um, for those who actually have seen it, including yourself, Aaron. What did you think of this? Um, I thought it was uh, an interesting shot that I think that they did. And so, um, I mean, also, I mean, it, it kind of brings me, it, for some strange reason, it reminds me of Wonder Shows and some strange reason. It does I, kind of remind me of Wonder Shows. And yeah, it's just like really weird, um, kind of random, but yet kind of dark segments of dark comedy put into like the, uh, into a kid oh, show. From Adult Swim of all places. Oh, well, you know, like, uh, who else would bring out this something like this? Like, uh, I know, right? I mean, like, from the same concept. people that brought you Mr. Pickles, like, uh, his, uh, his pibby. And so, there you go. Yeah. So, um, my thoughts on this, like, I think it's really well done. I think, uh, that's uh, a, a really, great great thing to start off with and uh, you know it's getting everybody excited and uh, good grief like uh, the you know the only thing that uh, seems to get any people excited right now for adult swim i think has either been like uh, two things you know just before i went over to uh, to another network a family guy was one of the reasons why people were tuning into adult swim i mean like uh, i mean also uh, rick and morty obviously was uh, another thing as well but i think since then i think um adult swim i think has at least in my opinion struggled in regards to uh, trying to get you know things going, so um, I think uh, something like Pibby, I think uh, definitely would be a a a good you know um, march in the right direction. So I would say that uh, yeah, if you're going to do something like this, um, definitely go for it, and uh, you know because fans really want to see it, and uh, I think uh, there's no harm in making you know episodes of this at the moment. So I think uh, yeah, I think definitely. Go for it, I think, uh, for, uh, for 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 uh, for Adult Swim, and uh, interesting to see where the dynamics go for them because the, the dynamics that they're going with this is that uh, you know all of these uh, shows are being taken over by this massive glitch, and uh, the three characters that they have, they're just like you know they're not uh, people who you would say are heroes. Which uh, so you got Pibby who isn't really like you know a hero in a way. There she is, or she is a character who is there just kind of like, you know, help, you know, kids learn and stuff like that. Then you have another character that's a villain, so they have no heroic, you know, where, you know, um, you know redeeming factors to them. And then you have another one who's a, who's a wimpy sidekick, who lets, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the kind of the Batman-esque character, you, know, uh, you know, hero kind of like do all the good work, and like, you know, he just kind of tags along for the ride, you know? So he doesn't know exactly how to be a hero either. So it's a situation where they have to learn to adapt to this new environment that they find themselves in. So right, right. It's, um, and, and, yeah. and also the fact that um, they are completely opposite in every single way, but they have to work together so that they can be able to fight off against this huge glitch that is taking over the animation world that they're at. And, you know, she went from like this cute little character that you would see in a preschool show and then you know she you know rocks a chainsaw and she has an eye patch and she's covered in blood and she has a katana like samurai jack it's unbelievable yeah. and and the fact I that i can only imagine that these- she's learning to do this like as the show progresses i probably imagine yeah. i think i think there's all i think this is like an idea for like what can be uh, a pretty big show and uh, i was saying before that i think they definitely should just pull the trigger on and say less you know ask for 10 episodes and let's just see how it goes you know yeah but. and i hope because i don't want to see what happened to infinity train in which it showed a lot of promise but then all of a sudden oh you know we're gonna have to cancel it because it didn't meet this demand for this audience and blah 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 but i think you know, being an adult swim, I think it'll definitely be a little bit more lenient towards telling the stories that they want to. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it, by the way. I like, enjoyed it, it, it too. It, it was it, a big it, surprise it, for it, me. It's, it's kick-ass. It's freaky. It, like, it has characters that you could probably even sympathize with. Because, like, you know, how many of us have, like, always been taken, like, you know, out of a out of a normal situation, thrown into, like, this complete mess and having to kind of adapt to it? You know, like, uh, that, that, that that's a, a situation you can sympathize with, you know, 100%. So, um, I think Pippi, I think, has got potential. And uh, I was talking before... Man, Nick, Arnold Swim needs this right now. You know, like yes, uh, I did, I didn't mention that in the beginning of the uh, the discussion. Exactly, yeah, and like, cause like, I mean, I mean, here's the thing about this though. Like, uh, you and I are going to talk about the ratings for uh, Adult Swim for this year, which is uh, which is an average out of like the last couple of months. Which you know, you think if people locked in their houses in the pandemic, you think you know one of the things they'd probably be doing, you know, right? At least our demographic will probably be watching Adult Swim, but surprisingly not. Like, uh, you know, with uh, cable TV ratings for Adult Swim right now is like an averaging uh, like two like point two eight rating. At the moment, which is which is not good, I think for uh, something which is mainstream as Adult Swim. And uh, now this could be two things: one, cable television is dying. So I mean, mm-hmm. measuring ratings is a waste of time anyway, because not everyone's going to have a cable subscription and not everyone's going to be watching TV. So that, that's going to be another thing. So the next thing is going to be like uh, streaming. So I mean, obviously we don't have the streaming numbers, so we can't you know fathom what what's going on over there, Adult Swim at the moment, where the, where they are at the, the, this stage. But uh, I mean, the one the interesting thing that they, they they brought Pibby out on YouTube. So I mean, is this going to be where Pibby? is going to exist in Adult Swim's world, like on the YouTube channel, or is it going to be where they are going to kind of bring it out on streaming and uh, they're going to be, uh, you know, testing the waters out further with us, I think, in uh, in the internet medium, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll be very surprised something that Pippi ends up like, in, is it, you look at Pippi, you look how like, you know, how freak out it is, like, you know, could you see this being on TV? You know, pretty much like, it, it seems garnered towards like, you know, us on streaming and us on YouTube. Yeah, it does seem like you would see something like that on a a streaming or a YouTube series. Yeah, I mean, it definitely kind of reminds me of like, you know, this would fit in along with like shows from uh, Psychic Pebbles or um, or, you know, like uh, what you call it, maybe like Salad Fingers, in which it's like going really, really dark or hell of a boss or has been hotel. Exactly. So, I mean, this uh, doesn't has been hotel and hell of a boss look like this. This audience would enjoy the pibby. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, along with other audiences that kind of like into this stuff as well, including their main, including their like uh, who their idea of like Adult Swim audience member is. So like you know, of course this 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 has a lot of potential. I think we it can does. all agree. So it does. Yeah. Go for it, yeah, Adult I- Swim. Just do it. Do yeah, it. Please just pick do this it. up. That would do be. It. I I would I would be very very invested if you were to pick this up because let's be honest I mean the ratings of Adult Swim are not looking very promising and they're I mean even Aaron said it that they've been declining for a couple of years now because- but then that might not be their fault keep in mind like it might just be the fact that you know their demographic is like that cable subscription is a rip off and that you know they just want to go on to uh, streaming sites now so like oh sure uh, th- th- that's that. also one possibility but also another possibility is that there's not really much of Adult Swim to tune into I mean. I mean, Squidbillies is now ending after being on the air for almost 15 years. They removed Family Guy. Now they're airing it on TBS. And Robot Chicken, as like you said before, has become unwatchable. 
Mm-hmm. And the only thing that people are tuning into is Rick and Morty. Oh yeah, actually, I forgot to mention actually that. Uh, so, uh, so because we said uh, off the show, yeah, Robot Chicken has become uh, uh, like the the first thing that kind of really turned me off. Robot Chicken were the Hey Arnold sketches. Like, yeah. and I've talked about them previously on the show, and uh, they're abysmal to say the least. I mean, that that was the first part, but then they did a Lock, Stock, and Spoon Smoking Barrels uh, parody of Peppa Pig. And but the problem is, like, it's not the actual sketch. Well, it's just, actually, to be fair, it's like it's not the jokes in the show that, sorry, in that segment that were the problem. The the music was turned up so loud you could not hear the voice actors and the actresses doing the voices. Like it's just like it, the even the the basic production is wrong at Robot Chicken right now. Like you know, it's just mm-hmm. like let me know who that. I just switched it off. You know, like uh, and that's uh, that. You know, two thousand and um, I guess two thousand twelve ish me. I think would be very saddened to know you know ten years ago that I would be switching off as Robot Chicken sketch. You know, like wow. Robot Chicken was brilliant back in the day. Oh, I loved Robot Chicken back then. I mean, every single skit that they would have would be really, really funny and just so easy to remember. I mean, because they were really short, the amount of time that they needed to impact you in the story and in the lines and characters, they got you. But nowadays, I think it's just become a little bit stale. It's like that's what happens when a show like this goes on for a long time. It's like, yeah, I mean, you need to be able to come up with interesting ideas to keep the demand. But I think it's... I think it's time to like pack it in. Yeah, like I even laughed at like you know the uh, the Cookie Monster sketches, like when you went to uh, you know when you went to raid those elves for like all their cookies oh, and everything. Geez. Like that yeah. was hilarious. Like wow. uh, you know, like uh, and the, the judge at the end says, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles, and then the, his mom goes, you know, like uh, my meat sonny's dead, and you make pun. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> Oh, that's the thing about robot chicken they just have so much dark comedy that it's like oh man this is shocking but it's funny the, it's the like the great thing about it is is that even in the, you know the mario kart sketches that they did you know for like yeah, uh, you the, know the, 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 the furious one, yeah. yeah and then the uh the the one where they did where toad was the getaway car in that and like uh, even when they had to like use the blue shells sketch they had some kind of expl- explanation for what that was because not everybody got that what that joke was well th- so- that's the thing about that's the thing about seth green he is a gigantic nerd he <laughs> knows about these references but yeah but those were robot chicken sketches back in the day these robot chicken sketches are awful like mm. i'm sorry that they're unwatchable as far as i'm concerned wow. those hey on the ones turned me off they really did. Yeah. Like uh, the the one where they said that Helga was a one dimensional character is was just a bit you know abysmal. Anybody just you know uh, you could watch a generic you know Hey Arnold review on on Hey Arnold and uh, see how much death there is to the Helga Pataki character and all that she's been through in her life and everything like that. And so they they even like you know did a science you know before even this they did a Science of the Lamb you know sketch before this. You know, as well, you know, before before they did these two awful Hey Arnold ones, pretty much. And uh, But, you know, like, I'm not just saying this because I'm a Hey Arnold fan or anything like that. Like, it's nothing to do with that at all. The Peppa Pig one, I agree, was also abysmal as well. So, like, there's just the, um, the, the current crop of Robot Chicken, you know, sketches just don't ring with me. And I don't think they're all that good. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, moving on from that, um, shall we talk about, uh, the creators of Molly McGee, uh, Ghost of Molly McGee, have donated the, to the Trevor Project after receiving one million views, so they've donated everybody, so congratulations. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, also, uh, after we're done talking about that, Amphibia is also trending on Disney+. Plus. 
So Yes. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, Molly McGee first. So, uh, yeah, about a week ago, we talked about how um, the creators of Molly McGee wanted to be able to uh, feature um, the opportunity to donate to a particular charity, according to a poll that they had posted. And they wanted to see if the viewers can be able to tune into an episode of the first episode of Molly McGee for uh, 1 million views. And then they could be able to donate uh, to a charity that they had chosen. So the three charities were um, the Doctors Without Borders, the Trevor Project, and the Sierra Club. And the winner was the Trevor Project project and so um that was when not only bob roth and bill motts donated but also uh one of the writers or animators donated and eden regal who is uh, the voice director of molly mcgee also donated as well um as well so yeah they were able to reach the one million views and that is when they decided to donate the money over to the trevor project so yeah they did it everyone so congratulations to um uh, bill motts and um bob roth and eden regal and uh samantha king that's the name of the person uh, she's the director of molly mcgee so yeah. they were able to uh donate about four hundred dollars over to the trevor project so yeah excellent cause and uh oh, we hope to see something like this in the future i mean definitely since they are a new show i'm sure they'll be able to do other opportunities for these um big uh you know opportunities to raise money for good causes yeah okay so also with some news on the molly mcgee the uh, the bart misfer episode also aired um, yes it did it? also but so here's the thing about this like uh, they the fans are still on the fence about what this relationship is between molly and libby at the moment uh, yeah. and so um, i mean like at the moment it's just a friendship like you know where yeah it, the- it's it's still fairly new guys i mean the show aired like a month ago give it calm down okay but calm i mean down. like yeah so like i think you know before they were uh trying to you know ship uh you know molly mcgee and you know and, you know, and andrea together like, oh, yeah. uh, so, like, uh, you know, because there's, like, oh, hey, this is going to be, like, you know, the Owl House way, you know, Amity Blight and uh, losing and Zeta, you know, don't like each other to begin with, but then we'll soon grow to like each other and stuff, and then you'll have, uh, you know, Andre saying, oh, so you go to the same school now, that doesn't change anything, like, uh, you know, it's just, it's, uh, you know, but now they've given up, I mean, it seems like the fans have seems to have given up, no, not necessarily 100% given up on that, but now they seem to have this idea that, you know, like, the Molly and Libby now are the couple. That uh, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're Disney trying to ship now in the in the, the Ghost of Molly McGee, and um, you know, all I'm gonna say is that you know, I don't know where this relationship is gonna go. Neither of us are. So no, but, uh, I don't. No, I mean, I, it's still too soon. It's still too early. Yeah, but you know, they, they're putting up on like you know when uh, you know Libby and you see the clip of like you know the uh, the the bar mitzvah episode. Like you see yeah, that way it's yeah. like you know, she and actually like you know uh, she Libby's looking forward to be like becoming a woman and uh, you know Molly's just kind of like you know. Uh, you know, admiring like her her announcement of that, and like they're saying they're like, oh, you know, she's like into her and stuff like that. It's like you know, yeah, but th- I know what the context is because if you've seen from you know clips of the episodes, is that Molly was moving around from place to place, and so she never really had a friend that she can be able to have for very long. And so now that she's moving into this new location, and Libby is like the first best friend that she ever made, uh, especially since she didn't have any before. Now they're really you no, know, she becomes really invested in doing the best for her so it's like that's what the context is it's not the whole love thing at least not yeah, yet yeah but but then it, it, 
this is the thing, like, they, they kind of, like, put all these, like, uh, like, you know that meme of, like, you know, that guy who looks like you're really frustrated, and, like, he's got all these dots and, like, all red lines all, like, frustrated together. He's, like, trying to explain, like, his conspiracy theory. I don't know where that's from, so I, 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 I think it, it looks like Parks and Rec. Is it Parks or and Rec? Right. Uh, okay, yeah, maybe. it's probably... Either that's from the office. I thought it was from the office, but whatever. But uh, maybe, so, maybe it is from the office. Maybe I it is. I, I don't know. But you know, it's kind of like that. I mean, like all the fans like that. It's kind of like trying to draw these together, like trying to figure out how you know this is like some kind of like you know all, you know a lesbian relationship that's like uh, currently being developed here because you know the, the creators, like I said, there is going to be LGBTQ representation, you know, somewhere down somewhere down the line. But you know, like yeah. uh, uh, you know, they're, they're already like saying, oh, you know, Molly McGee and um, you know Libby are you know uh, Stein Jones are now like the. Uh, Apparently, they are going to be that representation, apparently. But we here's the thing about this. Like, we don't know yet whether this yeah, is Yeah, but here's be. the thing. They already did LGBTQ representation in their newest episode where we saw um, a person in jail and she was talking about, you know, I miss my wife and, you know, I, I want her to... Uh, you know, uh, there's nobody better than her. So, uh, by the way, that the pr the prisoner, by the way, is voiced by Jay Lynch because, of course, it is. Of course, it is. <laughs> Yeah, so, but, but no, I mean, so yeah, maybe maybe that would be the LGBTQ representation. I don't, I don't know. But know. Like the, the 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 next thing that the you know the fans are getting at is that uh, you know they had like a you know not to give away too many spoilers, but uh, um, apparently um, Livy uh, set up the bar mitzvah apparently to uh, but so she only wanted it where she didn't want everybody there. She only wanted uh, Molly McGee to be there apparently. So, I mean, like, so they're hinting at, like, oh, well, because Molly, you know, because she only wanted Molly McGee there, that's kind of like a hint of, like, you know, saying that she, you know, she has a crush on her or something like that. Which is like, no, it might just be the fact that she's, like, the only friend that she has at the moment. She doesn't want anybody else on a special day. Exactly. You know? I mean, first of all, a bat mitzvah is a very, very huge celebration. And if you want maybe a handful of friends there, especially those who are really, really close to you, then that would be a reasoning on why you would see that. I mean, we even saw in the clips of the episode that even Libby didn't have a lot of friends either because she was really shy and awkward and she loved turtles. So maybe Molly was the only one who was able to connect with her that way. So maybe that's the only reason why she decided to invite her. Exactly. So, um, yeah, like, guys, it's way too soon. Like, I mean, it is. I, I mean, like, you know, here's the thing about this. Like, um, Lumity, we saw a mile off, I think, uh, you know, because it was There was always... a person, by the way, I don't know if you've seen this. There was a person on Tumblr who predicted that Loose and Amity were going to be a thing. Guess when? Uh, how long ago? Um, okay. It was a week before the convention episode aired. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so. I know. Uh, well, somebody on the Loud House. Well, keep in mind if you remember, like there was the uh, detention episode where Luz went to uh, Hexide Fight for the first time. I think it was. Yes, uh, and also there was the yeah, and then there were I'm a teenage abomination in which when you know she pretended to be Willow's abomination when she couldn't summon it properly. So yeah, those were like the only times in which they met. And then somebody on Tumblr said, "Oh, they're going to be a thing," and that was a week before the convention episode aired. It's like holy crap! What a way to do hindsight. Exactly. So. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, at least, you know, um, but I don't know. Like, you could definitely see a mile off that losing Amity were going to be a thing, you know. Uh, sure. You know, like, like, look at the positive influences that, you know, Luz has been on Amity pretty much, you know, from the minute that she arrived. So, yeah. uh, I mean, so obviously there was clues already dropped in here, but in regards to Molly and Libby, just give it time. Like, you know, we don't yeah. even know if we're there yet. Yeah, yeah, and if it does happen, then great. I'm happy for them. But if it doesn't happen, then that's okay. Let it just be a regular friendship. For all we know, like, we don't even know what uh, Molly's sexuality is anyway. So Yeah, like, it's true. We don't. Yeah, like, for all we know, she could be straight. 
So like, yeah, uh, maybe this is just is, a, maybe this is just a perfect like. I, I really, this is like one of those like you know, ambiguously gay duo kind of like you know uh, <laughs> situations where it's kind of like you know, it's uh, you know they're going to constantly keep dropping hints like you know they could be a couple, they may not be a couple, but you know it's like it's kind of ambiguous, you know. So it's just it's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I hope it's not going to be one of those situations with with Molly and Libby, but uh, I hope not. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> it will be an interesting dynamic. Maybe like one of them does kind of like have a feeling for another. Maybe but the one doesn't like reciprocate with it, and maybe they have an episode where they kind of deal with that. Maybe hmm. so like, it would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of like our next generation Helga and Arnold, and maybe like one of the characters has a crush, but maybe they're afraid to say it well, because no, no, they don't no, know how no, they will I was feel thinking about more it. like here's the thing about this: how many episodes of i mean besides obviously with gravity falls like we have an episode where we kind of like deal with like you know i have feelings for a particular character and i deal with rejection yeah. like you know like uh, besides gravity falls i mean like uh, i can't recall another show which kind of dealt with oh hey you know i asked this girl out but she rejected me and this is how i dealt with it you know like mm. uh, i don't know like uh, maybe they could do that with molly mcgee i think that would be i think that would be useful I think, I think know, that'll be episode. really useful. It's like, you know, just because, um, you know, if you have a crush on somebody, that doesn't mean that they're immediately going to accept you. Oh, you know, just uh, not, not a while back ago, like, you know, we talked about how Jim Jenkins didn't think that, uh, um, you know, where Doug and Patty Mayonnaise was, were, were going to be put together. Exactly, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's just, it's, uh, uh, it, it's, you know, not all characters are meant to be, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that's just how it is. It's like the Wonder Years in which, like, you know, what we saw in the end of the series that Kevin and Winnie were not going to be a couple. And I know a lot of people are still disappointed about it to this day, but that's life, you know? Yeah. But by the way, all of you who've been, like, shipping uh, me and pa me and Patricia together, like, yeah, you were right on the money for that one. So... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm actually curious has anybody actually did ship us before we even started dating oh god i i do, I do not want to read the fan fiction like you know it's just <laughs> yeah, it's, fan fiction i hope not like uh, uh yeah but, 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 do you really want to wait read fan fiction of us like, absolutely not but i'm just gen i mean you know what uh somebody actually told me when babe, I, I would be I, I, I would be pregnant by chapter two Okay, like uh, it's just that's just that's how that's how fan fiction works in this uh, in this goddamn universe. Like you know, it's just it's. Uh, 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 I mean, I don't want to see it either, but I'm just genuinely curious. I mean, one of my viewers told me that the reason that they got into my as told by Ginger content was because they heard me talk about it in a TikTok video, and I'm like, I don't do TikTok. How'd you hear about this? Yeah, like uh, maybe you want to check out TikTok. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, even though I don't do TikTok, I want to see the video that apparently I'm in. Like, okay, sure. Right. Okay. Um, anyway, um, let's move on from that. So, so Molly, we go to Molly McGee is uh, you know, going 1 million views, definitely being very successful. I think it's going to be a mainstay thing for, uh, mind you, it'll get to season three and then get cancelled. <laughs> That's basically seems how we're... Nickelodeon show seems to Disney show seems to be going at the moment. But uh, speaking of which, um, while I wait for Patricia to come back, I think I'll get my two cents here. So Amphibia is trending on Disney Plus, and rightly so, because we are currently in the same situation that we were with the Owl House, where basically everyone is just waiting for the next episode to keep coming out, and uh, every time it always uh, you know, definitely doesn't disappoint anybody. So um, I'm always I'm trying my best to stay away from spoilers at the moment. It seems to uh, be something that I just can't avoid. But, you know, I already know what happens in True Colors. So, like, you know, there, there's my spoiler for Season 2. So, I'm not going to go um, 
I'm not going to go out on my way for like, you know, other spoilers, I don't think, at the moment, because I already kind of been spoiled on various things on Amphibia already, even though I've not watched this show. But I, th- I think it's a positive development that uh, we have Amphibia right now uh, trending on Disney+, Plus, and uh, we have uh, that currently going forward, too, because, you know, uh, there are so many people on Amphibia who are also very big supporters of the Owl House, too. So, you know, if they keep going and, uh, you know, which uh, I think, obviously, it's going to come to an end once, you know, season three, obviously, you know, wraps up. But, uh, you know, I think um, I really want, you know, people... People to really ramp up, you know, views on Amphibia, on the Owl House, on you know, uh, you know, these uh, current shows that are there, now. even including including Molly McGee as well, because you know, there's shows here that Nickelodeon, sorry, that uh, Disney really need to pay attention to. I think at the moment, so, you know, well, I think it's a bit late enough for uh, for Nickelodeon because obviously they are, uh, you know, they've missed out on that on that boat. But uh, you know, in regards to um, the current crop of Disney Plus shows, like uh, you know, for Disney Animation, like they've got some really good stuff here and uh they definitely need uh you know you guys to jump on your disney plus subscriptions and definitely give them a give them a view and give them a chance you know and um obviously it's a bit difficult now for amphibia at the moment but uh, i mean if it's trending right now on disney plus so you guys are doing your thing so if you keep if you guys keep doing you know doing these shows and keep doing them justice and uh, keep you know uh you know pushing up the uh, the card you know disney you're gonna have no choice but still gonna listen to you guys so, um, yeah, definitely do it with Amphibia, definitely do it with the Owl House, definitely do it with uh, various other shows, and uh, keep supporting Dana, keep supporting Alex, and keep supporting everyone who's, uh, you know, obviously doing this current generation of uh, of uh, Disney, you know, Disney Channel, you know, and Disney Plus, you know, animated content. Um, so, um, yeah, that's my, that's my kind of take on that, really. So... Um, while I'm waiting for Patricia to come back, she seems to have just uh, stepped away. I think, uh, maybe, uh, one thing I, I really want to, uh, you know, point out with uh, Disney Plus at the moment is that, uh, you know, and, oh, hey, she's back. So, Hello! Okay. Uh, so, shall we move on to, uh, what is his, uh, Villainous is uh, now available on, uh, d- d- in the United States of America now after, uh, a, quite a stay in Latin America. Uh, yeah I, I mean even then you still need to like go hoops and bounds so you can be able to watch it so uh, for those who don't know uh villainous is a ser- is a show that had aired on um cartoon network latin america and even featured in i believe uh cartoon network mexico so it came out uh in i believe it was 2017 2016 was when it was shown in the festival 2017 was when they shared they share the shorts and then 2019 was when they had the pilot but the series didn't start until literally just a few days ago so yeah it, it has been circling around for quite a while as shorts but now they do have an official animated series so i'm just going to read off the synopsis a villainous is the story of black hog uh, black, black hat org run by the evil mastermind black hat um and his team of Three less villainous aides. Black Hat Org's mission is to assist other villains to help to solve their heroic problems. They steal evil inventions created by Doctor Flug and other various services, such as advice on how to defeat the hero or to take care of the hero themselves. Usually, things end up going wrong, such as the brilliant innovations and plans to hand, tend to have small and often comical flaws. So, yeah, the only way that people were able to watch this was on Cartoon Network Mexico and Cartoon Network Latin America, and Decider decided to post up an article for those who are interested in tuning into watching it. And you can watch it on, uh, let's see, here it is. Um, Okay, how many seasons are there? So far, there's one. 
Uh, is it up on YouTube? Yes, it is. It is up on YouTube on Cartoon Network Latin America's official channel. And I think that they, uh, from what I see, they don't have, they do have subtitles, but they're Spanish subtitles. And well, I think, the whole thing- I think some, some fan will definitely do like a, uh, uh, a English dub at some point. So yeah, they will probably do an English dub at some point. If not, then they'll probably do English subtitles so that people can be able to watch yeah. it. I mean, like um, uh, there's, there's some crazy fan right now that's uh, you know uh, I think he, I think he's dubbing like all the angry video game nerds uh, in Russian. I think at the moment. So uh, I think that's currently going on at the minute, so as far as I'm aware. So you know, like uh, the these fans, if they want to see something, eventually they'll do it. So. Okay. Well, I, I'm actually got a link of it, and yes, they actually do have one of the shorts i think it is in english so okay they do have some of the shorts in english and they're saying hey um you know do we want to be able to see more of it in english then you know tune in so i'm sure that they will have it at some point cool okay well uh you know what i think the the the, the premise of the show i think is uh, it reminds me a bit of victor and hugo bungalows in crime and uh, that was a show about you know victor and hugo who would like you know go off and do crimes but they obviously do them pretty badly so mm-hmm. like you know yeah it kind of it kind of reminds me of like evil concarne you know about the the the, the super villain group from billy and bandy mm-hmm. so i think uh, yeah great premise i mean like i don't think there's any other cartoon like it i think at the moment i think not uh, at the moment no no okay so it's an original concept and uh, now it's making its way into a western audiences which is great so yeah now um yeah we, we we find it's kind of like um uh the three caballeros in which it was airing only in latin american countries but then finally it came out on disney plus last year so it's like yeah finally we're able to get like more distribution of these shows that have been in other countries for quite a while and now we're finally getting it. Yeah, which I think, you know, getting other shows from other other parts of the world, I think, obviously we were talking about, you know, we talked about it many years ago, I think, uh, at this point, I think uh, Nickelodeon was doing this uh, initiative of like, you know, you know, doing like, you know, stuff in India and stuff in like in other countries or like, yes. you know, doing like original Nicktoon shows for like those particular areas, which is great because uh, sooner or later, if you, someone will come across like a really good idea and then they'll want to bring that to, uh, you know, to the, uh, to the main, to like, you know, to the bigger channels in america and into europe so i think uh, you know definitely do this initiative where you uh you know get animators from all over the world get them to do their own thing and uh, then broadcast it on their in in their local areas and uh, if it does really well in those areas consider bringing it over to you know the united states or consider bringing it over to europe and Mm -hmm. uh, you know it might it might become a really big success there or maybe you you start doing it worldwide you know, like, uh, how cool would it be? Like, you know, Nickelodeon did like a like a like a, a Nickelodeon like you know, uh, uh, what would be Nickelodeon's idea? Like, what, what would their branding be for like a worldwide channel? I think would it be called Nickelodeon Globe or Nickelodeon. Yeah, like, Nickelodeon uh, Global is a good one, actually. Yeah, Nickelodeon Global. Yeah, and like uh, take all the animators from all over the world, get them to do cartoon shows, and air them on that network. And, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. it would kind of like be like uh, how they used to do it back in the day when they acquired all these British television shows and they aired it on Nickelodeon because they didn't have any original con, uh, uh, you know, uh, original ideas yet. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think that's a great idea if they do that. So, yeah, cool. I mean, I, I'm all up for, you know, featuring international stuff. I mean, I even said it in my all that video when that show was in the talks of getting uh, a revival saying, hey, you know, I would love to see, um, you know, uh, musicians and singers and artists from all over the world being played in all that because of how, you know, huge BTS was. So I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Nintendo is willing to make more films based on their games, but uh, we'll only do it one by one. So um, I'm guessing we're going to start off with the Super Mario movie, which uh, is yes. uh, going to be uh, Chris Pratt's going to be... Uh, 
Mario. playing Mario, and uh, somehow they've uh, you know got other people involved in this. And uh, yeah, you, so we, uh, we did I, talk I still, about this. By I still, the way. I still think Jack Black. I think is a good is a good fix for Bowser. I think you know, like uh, I still think that's a good. Yeah, he's done he's done the animation in the past. I think he knows what to do in this situation. I think so. Uh, I want to see Bowser with a guitar. Um. Well, I, this isn't going to be. Uh, oh, what's that game? Um, um, brutal legend. Brutal legend. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be those situations, but uh, I know. But I that would be so cool if Bowser had like a guitar, of you know that th I know that'll be on the nose, but still, I think it would be funny. Well, what if they had like two Koopa Troopers, like who kind of like you know their own version of Tenacious D, and like uh, they like kind of like, this rock like a uh, theme for like you know this is Bowser and he's evil and like you know they kind of like uh, okay, okay, that, like, that, that 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 would be a nice alternative. No, that would be that would be pretty good. So, uh, but you yeah. know what? I mean, I can't get over the fact that. You know, I don't know why it still bothers me, but I still feel like you know we're we're gonna get John Cena as Yoshi for some strange reason. <laughs> like, I know I go about it all the time, but it's just it's, it's something I just can't ignore at the moment. Like, uh, uh, you know, like uh, they, I'm sorry, they, look, that's, that's, look, that's, look, look at the, who they brought in for like all the other characters. Would you discount yeah. them doing that? Like, no, yeah. I mean we have Fred Armisen as Cranky Kong, Charlie Day as Luigi, um, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, which you know. Wow. Uh, mm -hmm. Keegan-Michael K is Toad. So, yeah, I mean, if you were to tell me John Cena is going to be Yoshi, I guess that wouldn't be so much of a surprise no, anymore. No, not anymore now. But, uh, yeah, so um, that's, that's... I mean, like, uh, other, you know, movies, I think they could do. I mean, like, Donkey Kong's going to be one of them, no doubt, because, obviously, he's now getting a massive, you know, say in the uh, in the theme parks now, and, obviously, he's, he's broken the 65 million mark in regards to sales. So, I think uh, Donkey Kong, no doubt, will be uh, a thing if... Uh, yeah, they, they, yeah. They, I think there has been rumors now that Donkey Kong is their next movie, yeah. and... I want, I want them to do a Star Fox movie. Like, that would be amazing. Star Fox, it'd be a great movie to do, I think, for uh, for that. And so, um, are we really looking for? And you know, like, uh, there's a lot of like story that's always been kind of like you know developed. Also, they've got the original comic books to base it off as well. So mm -hmm. they, they, you know, there's some great uh, ideas to do with Star Fox. I think. I mean, like uh, F Zero. I think they don't do anything with F Zero series recently. I think uh, that'll be no. A good... They haven't been. There hasn't been an F Zero game since the GameCube. And like really, the uh, the the last F Zero media thing they did was obviously the Japanese anime. Yeah, did. and uh, the only way that people even know about F Zero is that Captain Falcon is in Super Smash Brothers. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, um, I mean, think of other movies that they could potentially do with, like, it's oh, like oh, by the way, now, now that you're on that subject, I want to talk about uh, a possible Metroid movie. So, Yoshio oh. Sakamoto, the uh, co-creator of the Metroid franchise, had mentioned when when questioning about like, will there be a you know a Metroid movie coming up? And he was saying, as long as Samus exists, then I would like to see a possibility of a Metroid movie. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what that means in terms of exist. Are you talking about that she'll die in one of the games? I mean, I, I to be fair, I have not played Metroid Dread, so I don't know if she even lives, considering of how much craziness that the Emmy are. But yeah, he says he's very open to seeing a Metroid movie because there was once a Metroid movie in production. John Woo was going to do it back in 2004, but then it was canceled because he come he couldn't come up with a solid idea for a story. So maybe they'll actually do it again. So I would love to see a Metroid movie. Yeah. Anyway, um, I thought one thing that uh, might be uh, let's try and get into the minds maybe of like uh, where we think uh, you know who might end up getting movies out of this okay. and i think maybe their top franchises possibly might do so i've brought up den of geek and this is a top 15 uh nintendo franchises and so why don't we go through them and see which ones will make good movies okay so, sure okay number 15 is mario party a mario party movie mm. hmm 
I mean, I, I know that so. Mario. No, I don't think so. I mean, it would be very difficult. I mean, unless, of course, if you were to have the story play really integral into the the movie. I mean, Mario Party is about the, the party game. No, no, so it's kind of weird. I don't think so. It is, I mean, it would make a probably a, a better animated series if they're able to like up the stakes of it. But as a movie, no. Okay. Uh, number 14 is F-Zero. Yes. F-Zero would be amazing if it had a movie. I, I they, they do have a storyline and they do have additional characters. And I think that you can be able to play around with it. So, yeah. F-Zero movie, yes. Okay. Number 13 is WarioWare. No. No. I, I a very see, similar I reason. I could see it being an Adult Swim series, but I couldn't see it being a, uh, you know, a bunch of like Adult Swim sketches, maybe, like a sketch show. But I couldn't sure. see it being a movie, I don't think. Yeah, same reason as Mario Party. A lot of people know about it for the games, not for the story. Mm -hmm. Number 12 is Star Fox. Yes. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hey, you know that. what? A Fox in Space by Frederick Fox really shows showed me that you could do a really interesting story. You know what? With... I, I I want if I would give him like uh, if I could give him a hundred million dollars to like just make a movie, I would just give it to him. I really would. Like, yes. Yeah, I I want him to do that. Uh, I would love it. I'm, I'm still waiting on episode two, but I know that he mostly does this animation stuff by himself, and so that's why it's taking so long. Mm -hmm. Okay, number 11 is Pikmin. Mm. A Pikmin movie. I can see Pixar doing a Pikmin movie, maybe. Sure, like a, sure. Maybe a short, maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I know the gist of Pikmin. You know, you have Captain Olimar landing on the planet Dolphin, and or maybe the Dolphin's name. No, I think the Dolphin's name of the ship. Or no, it's P-N-F. Uh, 404 that's what it is so yeah he lands uh, on the yeah he lands on the planet he sees a bunch of pikmin and his ship crashes and he has 30 days right before his oxygen the you know the oxygen runs out and then i think in the second game it's him again and captain louie and then in the third game you have three other characters so um it's definitely the main focus is on the pikmin but um, but Pikmin don't really talk. They just make those little noises and Captain Olimar mostly monologues with when he writes into his journals. So, um, no, no, if maybe, you aren't... maybe I'll stick him in New York City and like have like all these like boring human characters to uh, like, you know, distract us all with. You so. do not speak of this. <laughs> Let's continue. Okay. Um, number 10 is Donkey Kong. Uh, yes, and like we said before, there is rumors that Nintendo's next movie uh, after the Super Mario Brothers movie is going to be Donkey Kong. And yeah, I mean, if they're going into the, like, the Donkey Kong country route in which you have like Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong and, you know, King K. Rule and the Kremlings, then yes, I could see a possibility of that. Mm -hmm. Okay, number nine is Kirby. Kirby... Um, they did have the animated series, Kirby Right Back At You. Yeah. So, and, you know, sometimes Kirby can go into really weird directions depending on what the game is about. I mean, the next game that is going to be coming out for the Switch um, is one, uh, like the, you know, Kirby and the Forgotten Planet or something. It's a post-apocalyptic Earth. So mm. it, it can go places, yeah, even though be, it's yeah. cute. Yeah. You know? Wasn't, wasn't it time like he was like, you know, knitting? Or something like that. Like, yeah, uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. So. Okay, uh, number eight is Animal Crossing. Ooh, that's a big one. I think that, you know what? I mean, people would love to see Animal Crossing. I think it would work better as an animated series than a movie. Yeah, like, uh, it's just, uh, well, um, whenever they do that movie, so they don't to make a reference to, like, you know, that cat is not dancing. That's all i got to say. 
I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Right. Um, number seven is Mario Kart. Ooh, maybe like a Fast and the Furious kind of film for kids. <laughs> hey, Luetta in. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. But that's, that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, okay, well, yeah. I mean, unlike F-Zero, in which it actually has a story, Mario Kart, probably not. You're no, right. Okay. Uh, number six is uh, Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem. Ooh, yeah. Fire Emblem is massive right now. And they do have a long story and they have a lot of characters that they can be able to, you know, tell, um, you know, different tales and different perspectives on. So, yeah, I could see a movie about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Number five is Super Smash Brothers. How do you do that? If Avengers was still like, you know you know, a thing. Like, it is still a thing. I'm not saying that it isn't, but uh, I don't know. Like, Avengers have done it already. That's what I would say. Like, uh, um, I think the reason why they want to see this happen is because in Super Smash Brothers Brawl, there was the subspace emissary and they had like a storyline that was going on where they were like this, you know, they would have like all the characters meet up and taking down this one bad guy. So maybe they wanted to have it like that. Yeah, it wouldn't exactly be like a Lord of the Rings, would it? Like, you know, where you like got to see like the both sides of like, you know, it's like, you know, uh, oh, how are you going to put all these orcs on? He's like, uh, there is no such thoughts. And then like, you have like, yeah, like all this dialogue going on between like, you know, Christopher Lee and like all the other, you know, kind of characters on one side then you had like you know the fellowship on the other side you know mm-hmm. like i don't know like you, you couldn't see that in uh in in smash brothers movie could you so like, i guess uh, not you're right yeah uh number four is metroid of course yes 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 i want to see a metroid movie i want to see the origins of samus being played out for people to watch i want to see this happen yeah like uh you know any thumbs down do you from uh you know from metroid and Ram? <laughs> <laughs> we do not talk about that game. That game does not exist. Yeah, okay then. Um, oh, I mean, there's already been movies about this. Number three is Pokemon. There's a lot of movies about Pokemon. Yeah, there's that's... like over 20 movies of Pokemon, and there's Detective Pikachu. So, no, we, no. we got plenty of Pokemon movies. Okay. Uh, number two is Super Mario, but we're getting a movie about that already. So yes, we're I getting a movie go. about that anyway. Yeah. Uh, number one is Legend of Zelda. Of course. Of course. Of course. I mean,. You think of it like Lord of the Rings. It's it's there, you know? Um, I think that pe- uh, people have been wanting to see a Legend of Zelda something in for the very longest time. I mean, remember there was that discussion about like the Netflix series that they were going to do, but then Nintendo turned it down. And then the IGN did that April Fool's joke about the Legend of Zelda, the live action movie. And then everybody thought that was real. Mm-hmm. And finally, Garfield, you bad cat. Why do you sound like Chris Pratt all of a sudden? Wait, that doesn't sound like uh, um, Lorenzo music. That doesn't sound like Frank Welker. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, Chris Pratt is going to be voicing another character in another animated film. So first we had Jim Cummings is a voice coach or something like, you know, how's he pulling off like being Mario, being Garfield and being all these other people, you know, I I have no idea. But yeah, first, uh, Chris Pratt was in the Lego movie. And then, you know, he did um, Bartley and Onward. And now he's doing Mario. And now he's going off to doing Garfield, which is interesting. There hasn't been a Garfield movie since Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. That was like over 15 years ago, mm-hmm. which that movie sucked, by yeah. the way. Well, yeah, that's probably the reason why there hasn't been another Garfield movie in 15 years, probably. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, it took 15 it had- years to make another Garfield be an abomination, Grandpa Lou. 
(laughs) (laughs) But but still, uh, I think that the fact that Chris Pratt, you know, just a few weeks after we found out he was going to be voicing Mario, now he's going to be voicing Garfield. It's like there's something going on. Yeah. It it, it just can't be a coincidence. Yeah, it can't be a coincidence. Who's doing the new Garfield movie, by the way? Uh, well, I, that's a good question, actually. I mean, we just knew about the announcement. We didn't know that... If it's um, Illumination about- Studios, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. They, I, barely, I, I guarantee you, they'd probably be like, you just took him to one side and said, hey, Chris, do you want to do Garfield while you're doing Mario? <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a look to see who's doing it. So this was reported by The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is going to be done by Alcon Entertainment. Uh, who? Alcon Entertainment. Uh, they're, uh, I think it's just, uh, they're uh, animation division behind Sony Pictures. Okay. then. So, oh, so, it, you know, that makes sense, actually. Doesn't Sony sort of own the Garfield rights at the moment who owns garfield at the moment in regards to the i mean rights? it's kind of difficult because i know that um let's see garfield is current i mean when it comes to like the Gar- the garfield character nickelodeon has it oh all right um when it comes um, to the because co- like uh, in the rest of the movies like haven't sony like been the ones who like released the garfield Movies? Yeah, yeah, I think they have. I think they have been. Yes, they have been All the right. ones to do the Garfield movies. So, yeah, Alcon Entertainment. They're uh, they're an anim- They're a, a film company under uh, Sony, and they've done movies that you probably know about, such as um, let's see, The Blind Side, Book of Eli, Dolphin Tale, uh, Chernobyl Diaries, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So, yeah, they've been known for that. And as for television, they've been known for The Expanse, Ice, Pete the Cat, and Blade Runner Black Lotus. So, yeah, uh, under Sony and under this particular uh, company, they're the ones who are going to be uh, behind the movie. The script is written by David Reynolds and directed by Mark Dindle, which I haven't heard Mark Dindle do anything since Emperor's New Groove. You know, Mark Dindle was a huge Disney person, and he did movies such as Cats Don't Dance and, as mentioned before, Emperor's New Groove. So that's going to be really interesting. And these guys actually work together on Emperor's New Groove. So maybe the movie actually has promise. Mm, who knows? But uh, again, like, uh, I would really just see who, how Chris Pratt is getting all these roles. I mean, he's Chris Pratt. I mean, like, he's a, he's, he's a great actor. I'm not going to take that away from him. But, sure, uh, sure. You know, so all of a sudden go from, like, Super Mario to all of a sudden be told that he's going to be doing the Garfield movie. He's like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know. I like, mean, uh, it, it is quite a jump, that's for sure. It's but... a bit soon, if you ask me for an announcement like that. Like, you know, uh, I, I mean, are they, like, not even waiting to, like, see what he's going to be like in the, in the Mario movie before they decide, oh, hey, you know, like, uh, you know, coming soon, the guy who, like, uh, just made Mario plausible is now going to sound like Garfield <laughs> plausible. Like, you know, it's like, this, this could seriously backfire. It's, it's kind of like that, it's kind of like that uh, South Park joke. It's like, Chris Pratt was Mario. Now watch it be Garfield the cat. What's like? Is Chris Pratt going to be? Is Chris going to be like the next Adam Sandler? Is he going to be like in everything now in this era? And like you know, uh, he's going to pitter. Off. I don't. I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he's already been in the Lego movies. He already did Onward. So now he's being in Mario and in Garfield. So hmm. we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's again, he's doing a lot of voice acting now. From the looks of it, like uh, yeah, you know, like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, mind you, I guess it's uh, less. I guess it's uh, less laborious to be in front of a microphone than it is, I guess, to actually, you know, have to, you know, do stuff in a just for an acting studio. I guess I don't know. But I have no idea, or or maybe they think that he's a good fit, which that's going to be really interesting. I mean, 
here's the thing. I mean, I guess I could understand for Mario because, you know, Mario's has had different interpretations. I know we were all familiar with the Charles Martinet one, but Garfield has always been a very distinct voice from the beginning. I know that technically Lorenzo Music wasn't the first voice actor for Garfield. It was another person, but they were just doing like a pitch for possible Garfield specials. But Lorenzo Music has been the voice of Garfield for over uh, like almost 20 years right before he sadly passed away and then uh, Frank Welker took over and he kind of like did a Lorenzo music-esque voice when they did the Garfield show and the Garfield um, video games and all that kind of stuff so yeah that voice has been distinctly Garfield even when they did um, the Garfield movies as bad as those were Bill Murray did a Lorenzo music-esque voice for those for that character it's like oh you know if, if bill murray sounds just like lorenzo music he does have that kind of slow drawl and lazy voice which perfectly fits garfield so i'm actually curious if chris pratt can be able to give us that distinct garfield field or if he's going to be able to like go in a completely different direction with the character i could well imagine it's going to be a different direction i could really think that would be interesting you know i mean we've we've been associated with uh, the same voice as garfield for close to 40 years so if they want to do a new spin on it then sure i mean it just has to fit yeah th- uh, well 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 we'll we'll wait out on that shall we so uh, yeah but let's wait uh, on that but yeah. I'm, I'm actually curious about like who's going to be Odie, who's going to be john um you know are uh, is normal going to be in the movie is liz going to be in the movie um mm. maybe the U- maybe the the u.s acre characters are going to be in the movie we'll see what happens maybe Odie's going to be uh, uh played by john cena maybe. <laughs> you uh, and john cena i swear to god da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> I was always gonna say throughout the entire movie. <laughs> oh, it's just this, uh, and uh, yeah, but uh, it is um, it is a weird choice, I think, uh, to say the least. But uh, you know, hey, maybe Chris Pratt's gonna prove us wrong. You know, like uh, maybe maybe this uh, podcast is gonna age like milk, and that Chris Pratt is gonna be an excellent Mario. He's gonna be an excellent Garfield, and uh, we're gonna want him to voice every single one of our characters from our childhood. Maybe, maybe he's gonna yes. prove us wrong. Uh, like, <laughs> and then, and, and, you know, because of that announcement, everybody has made all of these stupid posts of Chris Pratt is going to play this character in this movie. I saw Chris Pratt is going to play Luz Noceda in the Owl House. Or was it Amity Blight? I, I don't remember which was one they said. It say, actually, it was actually it was that. But uh, um, I yeah, don't know. I, like, uh, I think that I think another one was like Chris Pratt's going to be SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah, Chris Pratt is going to be everything. Chris Pratt is going to voice the world in like uh, the world. Chris the Pratt's going to be Arnold from Hey Arnold. Oh, great. Okay. Chris Pratt's going to be Yakko from Animaniacs. <laughs> Chris Pratt is going to be Gordon Freeman from Half Life. Well, that's going to be easy considering he doesn't talk. Exactly. That's the point. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the way we're gonna get the people onto their seats to hear yeah. Chris Pratt as Gordon Freeman. Chris Pratt is gonna be Max Payne. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Chris Pratt is going to be um, Son- uh, no, no, not Son- uh, Shadow the Hedgehog. Shadow yes, the Hedgehog. Gonna be yeah. Shadow the Hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Pratt is gonna be Batman. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I I wouldn't. Well, I mean. I mean, I know that uh, that uh, and the Lego Movie. Um, who played as Batman again? Was it um, 
was I, I forget who was who was, but I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, you know what? They, um, they, they missed out on sort of an opportunity there. Like uh, they should have got uh, what's his name from uh, the Batman the animated series. So like, oh, Kevin for. Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Yeah, they would have been pretty cool. That would have been pretty cool, but again, I think they were going in a different direction, you know. Exactly. Which was perfectly fine. You know why? Anyway, I, I always get chills, like you know, in uh, in Batman Beyond in the uh, in the first episode when he goes up to uh, he goes up to uh, um, you know where the Batman Beyond says, "Welcome to my world," and like ends up shaking hands with like uh, you know his uh, his protege, which mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, always gives me chills. So mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and on that note, I think we're done. So, all right cool all right everybody um we are gonna be seeing out this week and uh, then we'll be back next week uh, for some more of our opinions on stuff that's currently going on and uh we'll be letting you know who else uh, chris pratt will be voicing by next week so <laughs> chris pratt is going to be um dexter from dexter's laboratory you know what uh, chris pratt is basically going to be aaron and patricia for next week so like <laughs> He's, he's, he's going to take over our podcast pretty much. Yes. So. so if you don't hear us, it's because Chris Pratt has taken over and we're sorry. Okay. Until then, I hope you enjoy Chris Pratt's night week and take care, everybody. So. Bye, everyone. Bye.